For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. And indeed, the Red Tops love it. They continue to talk about the hot streaks that we're on and they've got all sorts of photographs of people on the beach, men, men in their bathing ass, women in their bikinis. In fact, they're saying another consecutive day of 25 degrees Celsius spells of heat waves. I mean, that's fine. I, I wouldn't mind if it actually did happen, and perhaps it will. But there's a small little icon making the mirror today with 26 degrees on it. So I'd love to know where that will be. But they're saying that Medairn could be ready to declare a heat wave if temperatures stay at 25 degrees over the bank holiday weekend. Now, it did reach 25 degrees yesterday. It was reached for the first time this year in County Clare. You see how it was saying in the forecast, the further west you go, the hotter it will be. So west along. So it was Clare yesterday at 25 degrees. And indeed on Wednesday, they clocked in the County Clare 26 degrees. So that means that West Cork potentially, or even West Kerry, could maybe do 24 or 25 degrees if Clare can do it. But there you have it on the now, meanwhile, the difference between holidaying at home and holidaying abroad, there's a double page spread in the mail this morning saying hotel costs in Ireland are driving us to foreign holidays and probably giving tourists heart attacks when they come here. And they compare, say, for instance, uh, a week from August 19th to the 26th of Parknasilla. Now, Parknasilla would be an expensive comparison to make, but it comes in at four and a half grand for two rooms, breakfast included, uh, through booking.com. So four and a half grand in Parknasilla for that week, starting the 19th, 3,300 uh, for um, a fairly swanky posh place on the Balearic Island of uh, Mallorca. Then they compare the Algarve and Connemara. So a week in uh, Portugal, 2,300. Uh, a week in Lanan in County Galway, 3,400. Do you see where I'm going with this? So it's kind of sad, really. Um, I don't know what it is. And, uh, you know, with, uh, even if rec- even booking a room, never mind a week, never mind anything to do with holidays, but booking a, ho- a hotel room any time of the year now. Whether it's Cork or Dublin, nuts. I did, Kate, I did Kate, take a quick look, actually, at car rental prices last year. We might have another drill into that, but I found that they were quite low, extraordinarily. I don't know why, but they'd really dropped. Now, as to whether, uh, you know, it's bouncing back again, I don't know. But tourism boom as families flock to the coast to savour the sun. So the minute the sunshine uh, returns, of course, and it has done over the last couple of weeks, hotels and guest houses see a, a spike in bookings. Now, the downside to that, of course, is there's a lot less hotels available because many of them have been given over to uh, housing Ukrainian refugees. Meanwhile, Evelyn Cusack, after 42 days at Medairn, makes all of the papers today. I loved her style, actually. I loved the way she delivered uh, her news of the weather forecast. I love the personal aspect of it. Uh, and she always did a great interview. I might have an opportunity to perhaps to catch up with her next week. But she started in 1988 and she's heading for the hills now after 42 years. And there were a lot of goodbyes yesterday. She even got a best wishes message from the Taunishta Michal Martin. Uh, but she's saying now that she's looking forward to spending more time with the Roving Souls Hill Walking Group. And good luck to her. She clearly loves the outdoors and uh, wildlife and being out in the fresh air. Um, meanwhile, if you things couldn't, if you thought things couldn't get any worse, hang about because I think this, for me, it's actually so disappointing, uh, and it it it's just hard to believe that nursing homes um, are going to be flipping, closing to house refugees. There is a ban at the moment on using nursing homes to house refugees. But that's going to be lifted by the minister. So the government is lifting the ban on private nursing homes being used as refugee centres 
but their operators will have to wait two more years before they can exit the market. Are you serious? Are you suggesting that we still will be taking Ukrainian war refugees in, in two years' time? But the optics of this, and it's the Minister for Older People, Mary Butler, uh, who introduced the bland plan, and now I, I can't blame Mary Butler because I don't know if it was her decision, but it certainly seems to be a cabinet decision. And the reason that the ban was there in the first place was the government were concerned that private operators saw housing refugees as a more lucrative way uh, of making money than caring for older people. But I I imagine that the Minister for Older People, Mary Butler, wouldn't be happy with this. I mean, it it is what it says on the tin. She's the Minister for Older People. We would ultimately then have less nursing homes to look after older people. And the fact that they got away two years, I mean, the whole thing, it just seems really, well, certainly it's very upsetting, but it all seems really weird. You, You can shut, you can take in Ukrainian war refugees, but... You've got to wait for two years before you can do so. Or is it that they could just take refugees and asylum seekers and the state would pay them vastly more money, say, uh, than they would have got uh, from a private client? Your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. And then while things are opening and the 64 modular homes in Mahan are now completed, and I'm assuming when they say completed that they are fully furnished and everything, and we will have uh, Ukrainian families in Mahan living in them in the next 10 to 14 days. And that's been concerned. That's been confirmed. But one thing that's a worry, and this is from the elderly to the smallies. There's a story in The Independent this morning says that 250 creches across the country are facing closure unless they get some kind of help from the state because the alarms are ringing because, firstly, staff shortages. And that could be said across all sections of Irish society. Uh, our unemployment levels are low now, and they're as low as they've been in a long, long time. Um, so maybe those that can work are working. I don't know about any of the rest, but the alarms now are ringing because of staff shortages and rising costs, where creches are saying, we can't do it anymore. A bit like the private nursing homes that we've been talking about. But new homes demand doubles, according to a story in the Examiner this morning, uh, and 67% of young adults are still are either still living at home or are back living at home, according to a story in the Mirror. And where would you even begin with regards to fuel prices? It's like the old yo-yos, up and down, up and down. You can never tell. One thing's for sure, we're about mid-table now in the European League of Petrol and Diesel Prices, but very soon very soon, we will rocket towards the top of the European fuel price table, according to experts. It's a story in the Sun today petrol rose uh, by 6 cent per litre the other night and diesel went up by 5 cent, but there will be more to come because the increase in excise is graduated across the summer and into the autumn. So there's going to be some serious hike in prices by the time we get to September. Um, So keep an eye out for that. In fact, um, if you've got any kind of, um, uh, you know, some people do a lot of research on petrol prices and diesel prices and they check out garages around the place. I'd love to hear from you if you have some research on that. We also could be looking potentially at a water workers at local authorities strike to take place uh, next Wednesday and Thursday. And that means, according to the Mail this morning, that there's a high risk of water shortages if this strike goes ahead. But here on Side, a few connected stories with regards to Cork City Football Club. The first one is Cork City don't own their grounds out in Turner's Cross, right? That's, that's rented. So they actually don't have a home that they can call their own. Now, Dermot Usher makes this morning's echo because he says, I am trying to proactively get a home for Cork City Football Club. There was a proposal that was recently scrapped. 
um, that the FAI were going to build an 11 million euro centre of excellence in Glanmire. That's been scrapped. It's very unfortunate because the teams could train there and young people and kids could also learn soccer and train there as well. So that, that ain't happening now. Uh, but Cork City apparently have been meeting Michael McGrath uh, this week to try and get some sort of a long, long-term plan to get a home for Cork City and a training facility for the club as well and also for the underage teams. I mean, if you want to jump in, just to, just maybe 10 or 20 seconds, but um, the, 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 it was you were making the point that they don't own Turner's yeah. Cross. Thir- I, mean, thir- I mean, let me think now. What is it, 1984? Almost 35 years. Why, why do they need anywhere? They're not happy there. Years, they say it's, almost 40 it, years. It, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful stadium. Oh, no, no, no. no. So they, they're going to they're gonna continue playing their matches at Turner's Cross, but what they need is some sort of a base where... Like, they don't own Turner's Cross. The Munster FA owns Turner's Cross and they rent it to Cork City. That's yeah. why the games like the AOH Cup final that's happening tonight, we've had finals there this year, all take place at Turner's Cross because they're not owned by Cork City. Thanks it's not exclusive, People yeah. would say because yeah. it probably would have been sold at this point otherwise. But <laughs> the, having having Glanmire would, or having a project like Glanmire would give the club a base. So like a clubhouse, it would give them training pitches, it would give them, because at the moment after 40 years, essentially what Cork City own is the shirts <laughs> and the contracts the gotcha. players that play for them. Ah, yeah, but they yeah, don't own any it, yeah. there's yeah. no assets okay. or anything I understand. Um, and it was I think it was like I think the, the Glanmire thing they were looking for two or three million it wasn't a huge amount of money when you compare super it to pla- super place to put it with the inter- with the uh, with the network of roads down there and everything and when you think about like it was it was going to be a centre of excellence for all of Munster so you look at all the players that are playing for Ireland at the moment all coming from Munster Cork you know it's it, I don't know. You see GA clubs around the county, the amazing work that they do and the amazing facilities that they have. It's such a pity that the, the senior soccer club in not only like Cork but also like you know Tipper a lot of South Tip come All down right. that would be they don't have a ground of their do own. Shamrock Rovers own their own ground uh, Rovers actually Rovers have the perfect situation in which they don't own their own ground but the council own the ground <sighs> so that happens in a lot of like Fra- like in France for example none of the teams own their own grounds None of none of the teams own their own stadiums. It's all they're all rented by the council to the clubs. So it means that the council look after it, and the council okay. can, can okay. apply for funding, and the council etc. Whereas most League of Ireland teams, the clubs own their own grounds, okay. which means that they they are a bit of a. But in terms of Turners Cross, that's not going to change. Cork City are going to keep playing at Turners okay. Cross, but they're just looking for somewhere as a training base. Okay, cheers, my man. Sean Grover's boss Stephen Bradley makes the papers as well because you know how uh, actually they've been banned now. Let me start with that. Cork City have issued me a statement saying that two individuals uh, that were involved in that chanting and talking and shouting and abu- being abusive to uh, Stephen Bradley about his son Josh, Josh who has leukemia and going through going through chemo and treatment. They've received lifetime bans now from Turner's Cross as a result of their actions. Both persons admitted their involvement in directing abuse at Chamber Grover's manager Stephen Bradley and have apologised for their behaviour. Uh, the club says it has a zero tolerance policy towards uh, abuse of this nature. They haven't been named, interestingly. Uh, not quite sure why these two individuals haven't been named. Probably because they weren't before a court of law and found guilty of anything, but they have been banned. But he is saying that, and Stephen Bradley is saying that thugs like them um, particularly those ones uh, who mocked his son should visit a, kin- a children's cancer ward. And he's right, actually. Um, and they, it would really, would really put manners on them. And they probably would see and the scales would fall to their eye, from their eyes to show what idiots they actually are. Visit a, um, a children's leukemia battle. 
uh, and think about what you're saying. Um, papers also talk about, uh, you know, there's another fallout actually, and that's between James O'Connor and Micheál Martin. Uh, James O'Connor, is he is he the youngest TD? I think he possibly is. Uh, he's the Fear of Fall TD down east. There was a bit of a bust up at a, a parliamentary party meeting earlier in the week between Micheál Martin and James O'Connor. Here's the gist of it, you perhaps know. James O'Connor rightly says, um, um, because it's his constituency he's going to know, he's, he's rightly saying that his constituency of Cork East was not being adequately supported despite taking in a high number of refugees. And he said that Micheál Martin had made commitments to him that he hasn't followed up on. And apparently it got quite irate and got quite loud and noisy. And at one stage, Michael McGrath apparently at the parliamentary party meeting had to say to James O'Connor, which just calm down. Calm down, calm down. But Mio Martin at one stage um, said that he was a Jekyll and Hyde type character. And James O'Connor is very annoyed about that. He said the term Jekyll and Hyde description of him by the party leader was deeply inappropriate. Uh, you know, we were talking about whether or not there should be a Cork-Dublin flight. Um, well, they were saying, or at least Kenny Jacobs from the DAA was saying that it will happen or could well happen in the future. Michael O'Leary says if it does, it won't be an Orion airplane. He says, I don't think Cork-Dublin flights will return. He says the motorway journey is now less than two hours. Train services are now less than two hours. We do the Kerry Dublin flight because um, that would take you five hours to drive. But hold on a second. How many people out there can drive from Cork to Dublin in less than two hours? I know that I certainly can't. How many people out there have actually ever got a train from Cork to Dublin that arrived in Dublin Station, Houston, in less than two hours? I certainly haven't. So I think he's kind of shaving it a bit. But, you know, maybe he said two and a half hours, maybe. Um, or maybe there's some people kind of <coughs> coughing into their coffee and say, well, <coughs> I can do it in under two hours because I go at 145 kilometers an hour all the way up. Well, that's fine. You want to get penalty points? Donald Trump is saying that he's just like the Mona Lisa. Why would he say that? He says because people come to see him like they do the work of art. The Mona Lisa, he figures that he is a work of art. Marty um, Morrissey actually threw his hat into the ring for the Late Late Show and uh, obviously didn't get it because Patrick Keelty got it, but he's talking to all the red tops. Not in a kind of a woe-me way, just saying, yeah, I did. I put my hand up for it. But he said you should put your hand up for everything anyway. Anything that's going. I love his sense of humour. Have you got a Beatles? Have you got any toys there at home? Small little dinkies. You mightn't have a yellow beetle there from the 19... Uh, what, what decade was it? From the 1970s. A yellow beetle from the 1970s. Little dinky, little matchbox um, dinky sold for €153 Euro at auction yesterday. I'm telling you, there's some serious money in, in, in retro. Apparently this has uh, the yellow colour... It has the ivory interior, the bare metal base, it has chrome hubs and black plastic tires. A hundred and fifty-three grand. You'd want to be a serious collector for that, wouldn't you? And just finally for now, the first All Ireland football medal match was nine was eighteen eighty-eight. And the first football All Ireland final medal sold yesterday from that eighteen eighty-eight game um for Wait for it, €32,500 at auction yesterday. Apparently, the rare item was won by a fellow called Jeremiah Kennedy of Limerick Commercials, who beat Young Ireland's of Louth um, in a final score of a goal and four points to three points. Not a whole lot of scoring going on in that All-Ireland football final, but it was the first one in 1888, and the medal, I guess the family must have put it up, made 32500 
That'll do you, lads. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. And it's a free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. I'll tell you all about the food. It'll feed upwards of 15 of you. You need to tell us who you are and where you are. So text 0868104106. It'll be a cracking way to start the bank holiday weekend. Um, so get involved. Text who you are and where you are to 086. 8104106 and we'll start the shout outs at about uh, 10 past 10 this morning and then Red Patrollers will deliver it. Uh, I was due to talk to Michael McGrath with regards to um, the residential issues in nursing homes, particularly Beaumont today but he rightly said there's a meeting today apparently between uh, Care Choice and the National Purchase Treatment Fund who pays the fair deal. Um, so we're going to wait and see what happens with regards to that and whether they can resolve the issue at some stage today and then revisit it on Monday. However, uh, I can tell that recently on WLR the Minister Mary Butler was talking and she says that I have seen it across the country that some providers are opting to deregister their nursing homes and to take in displaced people as another alternative so it has been happening and it will happen even more now because that ban on closing nursing homes to revert back as refugee centres um, is going to go ahead. So your thoughts on that are welcome, particularly with regards to our own elderly. Text 0868104106. We'll plough ahead. Now, recent, some time back, actually, when I was travelling uh, over to Limerick, I was over to pick up a, a, a car with, with BMW over in, in Limerick. I was coming back through the beautiful town of, of Charleville and, uh, and then on to Buttevant. But uh, Charleville's absolutely buzzing. It really and truly is. It's rocking. Uh, and it's beautiful on a, on a summer's day. And, of course, the whole drive and the, and the countryside around it, whether it's Charleville or whether it's uh, uh, Buttevant or that gorgeous part of, uh, of County Cork and into, into County Limerick. But I came across a, a couple of pubs there uh, at the time. Uh, and I was telling you about the pubs. Um, uh, I, don't have, I don't have the details of one of the pubs that I was, I was talking about at the time, which was O'Leary's and, uh, you know, how old O'Leary's was. That's a separate story in a few minutes' time. But the other one is Geary's Bar uh, down in Charleville. And it was due to talk to them because the bar dates back to 1780. And it's the sixth generation um, of the in same family that are in there. But I wanted to talk about that anyway. Uh, but then, of course, I heard during the week that 13 businesses in Charleville had all of their windows blown in on Wednesday night. So I, I hate to start with the negative, but just let me start with that first. Karina, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. So more on the more on the pub in beautiful Charleville in a minute. But what happened Wednesday night? Well, Wednesday night, um, a lot of businesses in town got phone calls from the guards to say that their windows had been smashed in. 13 in total businesses in town uh, smashed in by uh, a bin, by a, a man. Um, this was his second time attacking. Um, this was his second time doing this type of uh, antisocial behaviour on the street. He had been done for it about three years previous. Uh, but do you know it to be the same for, person? Yes, we do. And we do it, like, it, it, I don't want to know who the individual is, but uh, wh- why would somebody want to do that? Not once, but twice. Th- this, and, and the first time, was it many windows as well? Uh, the first time was actually about seven cars were destroyed where the people had to pay for them themselves. Oh, my God. And Because uh, I've seen some of the photographs of the windows of the businesses. I've got a photograph of yours. That's a massive window, and it's going to have to be replaced. Oh, they're, well, the majority of them have all been replaced since yesterday evening, but our next-door neighbour, Murray's, I don't know if you've seen that building. It's a very old and unique building. But the windows are about 
six times the size of a normal window. Oh my God, worse. And they are unique type windows, so they have to be specially ordered and um, uh, that will take months for that window to be replaced. And how do you know it's the same individual? Uh, camera footage, I've seen it myself. I mean, people must be very annoyed though with that kind of carry-on. Well, the, the same man, I wouldn't even call him gentleman, comes from a, a wider family of social uh, degenerates. All right, well, I wouldn't go into much detail in that area for fear of identifying anybody, but are guards investigating it again? Oh, the guards were straight on it. In all fairness to them, they were straight on it. They were up in the middle of the night looking for camera footage. They, they were as proactive as you can get about the system down the road, I'm sure. Has, the, and has everybody replaced the glass in their businesses? Most, yeah. Most were replaced by yesterday evening, yeah. What businesses? Like, I just don't need to know the names of them, but are they pubs, restaurants? Uh, pubs, uh, takeaways, uh, supermarkets, um, um, a bookie's office. Um, that, that, that's it in general. Yeah. Was there a prosecution the first time? There was, yeah. He spent less than a month in jail for that one. So, so you guys really don't know when this kind of thing is going to happen again? No, no. Um, he's recently out of jail. These things we do know. We know he's in court this morning. All right. Um, we're proactive as a community. We know who the antisocial people are. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Is this, this, oh. is a, this is a once-off. How's Charleville in general with regards to antisocial behaviour? It's... it's uh, no, it's not a once-off. It's... it's there's quite a group of people that can intimidate around town, as in all towns. Um, but people in town are getting, you know, they've had enough. They're getting proactive on things. And what kind of intimidation, though? Is it, is it young people just being a bit too boisterous, having too much to drink, or is it drug-related? Not at all. You wouldn't even have to do with the social aspects. It's actually on our plaza. They sit down, they take over, they cycle up and down the street. Elderly have to move in off the footpaths. It's more intimidation than anything else. It's a you know shame, I mean? is it? Does it, it, is, and does it prevent people from... everywhere. Yeah. Do you? I think it's uh, anybody I've spoken to. It's happening in every town, and people are just let get away with it. But right. I do think our you think it's the guys, same in you think it's the same in Bodavent? You think it's the same in Mallow? It, it is, yeah, it is, it is. I think when I when I'm talking to people, they they have the same problems all over. Gotcha, yeah. It's yeah. become the norm. Yeah, just uh, I know they're young. Behavior is a given. Oh yeah, young and older. You know what I mean? Yeah. So do you, do you have to have... Right. Yeah, do you have to have... It's their right? It's their right to do what they want. But do you have door staff then on the pubs? Oh, God, yeah. Um, not not every pub has door staff. But um, this wouldn't be to do with pubs either. You know what I mean? No, but I'm yeah, saying like free. the businesses now, like in Cork City, there's security on many of the shops now, much to oh. do with, with with shoplifting, but there would have been a time when no pub would have had a doorman on it. They might have had nightclubs, but not pubs. No, well, we, we, we do the door ourselves, do you know what I mean? Um, we all have our own licences here at the bar, but um, most business owners are actually standing on their doors minding their doors um, in the supermarkets your supermarket owner is on the floor you staff on the floor it's a shame really that you have to be on your guard isn't it it is but 
it's happening in every small town, big town in Ireland. And why did it get that way? I mean, again, I, I mentioned drink and drugs, and like, but is it just lack of manners or bad rearing or what? They have no, they have no regards to the guards in this country anymore. Go away on that. That's our guards have been taken off the street. I know. Yesterday, two of our guards would have been held up interviewing this man down at the guard station, and if anything had happened in town, where those two guards would have been held up with this man in the station. You know, it's it, there. Are, there aren't enough guards in the community anymore. That's not their fault. They're under pressure. Oh, sure, no. I it's mean, if there system. was if there was more of them, they'd be more them. visible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but go back to when I was younger. I'm fifty now. When I was younger. Your guard walked up and down the street. You spoke with your guard. You had conversations with your guard. You know what I mean? They were up in your park. Or we have the most beautiful park up the back. And I have so many people tell me that they can't bring their kids up there because it's overrun with people dropping their kids. And it's a free-for-all. And there's intimidation. That would be, that would be young people intimidating other young people? Yeah, our families. Young people intimidating older people. Just like like approaching them or just shouting and roaring and making them feel uncomfortable? Just shouting and roaring, making yeah. them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're sixth generation, right? We are. Okay. Well, I think I'm fifth. Sorry, Neil, I'm fifth generation. Okay, but the pub opened uh, in 1780. Yes, so it would have been a grocer's and a wine merchant's and my great-great-great-grandmother, would have been, they would have been Higgins's and then it was Geary's, so it's always been Geary's for as long as we've known it. Has, it, known has it. it changed much? The building has stayed the same. The people have changed. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would think so. I would hope so. Um, <laughs> but the history, we're so proud of our history, Um that it is something that has morphed within the pub. We have the, um, our, my granduncle would have been in the volunteers. He would have been the company captain of the Charleville volunteers. So um, we have the battalion guns. People come to see those. The we battalion have guns? Here. What's that? The ba- battalion, the company battalion. The battalion guns. guns. The North Brigade. Yeah, the Charleville Brigade. Very famous so, brigade, and you're proud of your historical past, yes, I'd say. Um, so, Michael, my granduncle, would have been born in 1899. He was born here, and um, he fought the, the two wars. And um, we have a serious history. We have all the guns. We have the training gun. We have um, the uniforms, we, uh, the medals. Um, and it's just... People come to look at those. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? The schools no, have come up on occasion. Next time I'm going through, I'm, I'm definitely going to stop. A little birdie told me that President Michael D was in the bar having a cup of tea with your ma'am uh, on the day. Yeah. You you knew the Queen had died, died before most of us, I'm we told. Did, we did. How did that happen? Did. So Michael D, um, this man, my granduncle, Uncle Michael, would have been very friendly with Michael D's father. Michael D's father worked in town years ago and um, uh, there was an issue when Michael D's father came back from England about getting his pension and Uncle Michael helped him. Yeah. And they've just been friends. They had been friends for years and my mother had kept up that connection with Michael D. So himself and Sabina were coming back from their holidays <laughs> down in Cork in the Acton Hotel and they called in. And it was in September and they were sitting down having their cup of tea and the word came through and it was just whoever was here was here, you know. 
um, they've met on a couple of occasions and man has gone up to the Irish. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. And Michael D has a strong history with Lascaran, you see, because he has relations there. And so there would be a knowledge, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we knew we knew that the Queen had died before. Before it was yeah, publicly announced. It was publicly announced. And my own daughter actually met Prince Charles the week before he became king in Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> so there might be a very big Republican connection, but there's a very royal connection as well. <laughs> I'm telling you, no, we were doing very well, weren't we? And do you, do you hope that it will continue the pub and hand down for many generations to come, to continue the lineage from 1780? Oh, I think it will. I think it will because we've always been taught that a pub isn't a pub. It's not about alcohol. It's about people. It's about, it's, my mother always thought us that for a woman to be able to walk in the door on her own and feel safe, that is your job done. Yeah. You know, for people to walk out the door with so many problems and at the end of the night walk out with a smile on their face, then you know you've done something right. Oh my God, it's that personal touch, it's that sense of it's, community that you're keeping going. You have to you have to be involved in your community. You've got to love your town. You've got to love, you be involved no matter what it is. Um, you, it's your home. Yeah, yeah. A business is not just a business. Yeah, about, I hope it thrives and continues. It's about loving, you know, it's about loving what you do and... That's it. But has it dropped off, though, you know, the pub business with the cost of alcohol? No. 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 There's been, you know, the way things tip up and tip down and, you know, COVID had a serious effect on everything. But from March this year, you can see that the mental freedom is back for people. Um, People want to talk. People want to get out and about. Coming into a pub isn't about coming and buying a drink. Coming into a pub is about... An acknowledgement, even just a social aspect of someone's life, you know. Particularly, you probably have rural. If you have a, if you if you have rural clientele, is it not a problem for oh, them though? How do they get in and out if they have a few pints? Well, we have the rural bus. Um, a lot of people would would drink the non-alcoholic drinks nowadays. Yeah, a lot of people they're come handy. during the day. If the wife is shopping in town, there's a huge shopping. Uh, network here in town. We're so busy. It's it's fantastic. We're a thriving town. Um, I got that sense driving through it incident. Do you do food or put on live music and that? We do. We have a serious amount of live music. We actually had Wild Youth at the end of February. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. We've had the Coronas, Raglan's, Roshino, Ham Sandwich, Petty Casey. We have couple of serious musicians you're rocking here. you're rocking and food yeah, really and food as well. well yeah so we would have done food as means to an end uh, up until before COVID but now we wanted to invest in it and wanted to do it for the simple reason of you know that it's it's something we're, we're a little bit passionate about it's not a large menu it's a small menu but it's it's nice. We like it. Good stuff. I think it's and fabulous. We have a chef that comes in with us, Colin Greensmith, and uh, he's an amazing guy. And he comes in and gives us, shows us new ideas and recipes. And he's local, so he comes back. He comes in with his family. Um, yeah, we've done very well over the last couple of years. I'm delighted. No, best uh, no. barman in Ireland. What? And we still hold that. The best barman in Ireland. Have you the award for that? We did the Vintners Federation Awards. We had the best Lake Bar Cork, City and County. Who's the best barman in Ireland? 
Brian Barrett, even though he's left us now, but he's now best car salesman because we sent out the cabinet. But he was with us for 22 years. And that award has not been given out since. Oh, well done to Brian and well done to you. No, yeah. uh, just before I let you go, one of the other reasons that I wanted to talk with you and also with Noreen O'Leary was because your sign said, uh, the day the bar sign says 1780 mm-hmm. and Noreen's one says 1680. Are you aware, are you aware of that? Yeah, no, it, it was just when you, when you discussed it the last time. Um, well, all our buildings would have been here. They, those buildings would have been established. But so probably they said to me that they took over the bar in 1990. That they purchased it from the Foley's who had it, and the right. O'Manis before that. And yes. the architect architect put that date up. But the pub is realistically about 130 years old. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was trying to work out which one of you was the oldest <laughs> pub. Well, I think we're the oldest family run, you know, that the family are still here. All the buildings have been here since Cromwell and all these guys, you know, that sort of way. Well, now they've morphed a little bit. But I think we're the, just that it's been continuously handed down through generations. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought it was funny because when we got on to O'Leary's Pub in Charlotte, but that's what they said, that that, was, that idea was, I think it was the architect. I might have, actually, I think I might have Noreen here now just to clarify that. Uh, Noreen! Yes, hello. Sorry about that. I was just I was just trying to work out how old your pub is. Well, we're here 35 years. But and as I said, the, the Mahanis were here before the Foley's and they were another 50 years. But the sign says 1680. Was 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 that is that accurate? No, it's not. No, that was just put up when the the outside of the pub was renovated. <laughs> a random date. <laughs> well, it's, it's attracting people's attention because I saw it. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> so, 1680 is the date that's up, but it's likely to be younger than that, is it? I would think so, yes. Okay. Okay. Well, it's good. To, it's good to clarify that. So I think it's fair to say that Geary's is an older pub. Oh, it is. It's an older pub. Definitely, it's been here. I'd say for generations. Seventeen eighty. So, how's yeah. business going with O'Leary's pub in Charleville? It's going well. We're happy enough. Yeah. Things are tipping away. Yeah. You didn't have your window smashed in or anything. No, we thanks, had not. Thank God. Thankfully, thankfully. Okay. And we actually go down, Neil, for our breakfast down to O'Leary. So they do one of the best breakfasts in town. Do you do the full Irish, Noreen? We do indeed. Call in any time you're passing and we look after But where are that? I see your menu here now. You're doing the soup and you're doing the farmhouse egg mayonnaise and the wedges. And what else you got? You got the cod and mixed cold meats and lasagna and all sorts of things. Full Irish, how much is that? Uh, 10 euro. And is that with the tea, coffee and toast? Yes, it is. That's great. That's great value for the whole works. Well done. Keep it up. (laughs) I will indeed. Thank you. I hope you're all enjoying the sunshine in Charleville. Oh, God, we are. Glorious, glorious. All right. Well, listen. <laughs> sorry to hear about the uh, the windows being smashed in yet again. You know what can you do? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, it won't happen again. We'll see what happens in court today. Oh, we're resilient enough down here now. We 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 all group together. Every part of the community groups together around well, here. So. You certainly give me that impression for sure, Corinne. Uh, Corina. Listen. Well done. Thanks for coming on air. Have a great right, bank holiday so. weekend, lads. All right.
All the best. Off you go, Karina. Go down to Noreen for the full Irish now. I tell him, I'll send the husband down first. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Happy days. Lovely people. Text 0868104106. Next time you're rocking through Charleville, pull up for a while. Have a walk around. Have a full Irish in O'Leary's. Or if it's later in the day, uh, maybe a pint or a cup of coffee or what have you in Geary's. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. A lot of texts from our conversations yesterday on air about call centres and my conversation with Lorna Bogue, the councillor who worked in a call centre for a period of time. Uh, let me read some of those this side of 10. I work in a factory in Black Rock. I do eight and a half hour days and often do overtime. My first break is 10 minutes. My second break is 20 minutes. If I work on, I get an extra 10 minute break but only if I work four hours extra. You'd wonder how these companies get away with it. My God almighty, that is shocking. Um, I totally agree with what Lorna Bogue is saying. I used to work in a Cork call centre and it was exactly as she described. Um, If you missed my call with Lorna, you can pick up the podcast to yesterday's programme. I worked for Apple, not in the call centre, but my desk was located adjacent to the centre and the bullying and the team leads to the agents and the conversations was horrible. I could hear the one-to-one meetings and the feedback was toxic that people were getting. Most agents of foreign and well-educated, very nice people. I often had coffee with them. Can come on air, but this environment, call centres, is toxic. Stop the lights now, given out about working in a call centre. Hourly, daily, weekly and monthly targets are all part of the job. Boyle Sports have it. Striker have it. Everyone has targets. Who is this one speaking on behalf of someone else who may have loved their job for 20 years and perhaps moved on for other reasons? Uh, Well, that emailer didn't move on for other reasons. Um, It just became unbearable uh, and his health actually collapsed. Uh, I fear for this generation, Neil, they have no idea what hard work means. They're always complaining. They want money for jam. Try nursing then. They might appreciate work in a call centre if they were nursing. One or two more. I once worked in a call centre as a manager. My senior manager came to me and asked me to speak to my advisor about the odour of one of my colleagues, the body odour. I wasn't given any support on how to deal with this. I had to pull this individual into a meeting room to discuss the situation. It was just the worst conversation I've ever had and felt so demeaning having to do it. Don't get me wrong, the co-workers were fantastic, but the whole culture uh, in, in how advisors are treated was on another level don't give out my details that that reminded me you know I talk about body odour of a work colleague I remember years and years ago and it was in radio I won't give too much detail away but you know in a, in a confined studio uh, radio studio of course um, there's a lot of equipment and things like that it can get quite hot if there's back in the day there wouldn't have been any air conditioning and there was one person who did suffer with, with BO but remember the time we had um, a management structure that we're in from Australia many many years ago and the guy in charge actually was aware of the problems with body odour in the studio and he just walked in one day when this guy was on the air just walked in and he plunked a can of deodorant up in front of him and he turned around and he just walked out again and uh, that was it. Uh, nothing else happened. And after that, there was no more body odor issues. But I think that you probably wouldn't get away with that kind of behavior in 2023. But in the 1990s, 
that's what did happen. I was 23 working in a call centre, coming out with 2,000 a month. I made friends for life. It is a young person's job. Uh, I worked in a call centre for four to five years. It was capita. They were always good to work for and the money was good with bonuses. I left when COVID hit because we got put on a COVID response line, which I had no clue about. Other than that, I made great friends there and I loved it. Uh, morning, you talk of call centres. Supermarkets are just as bad uh, and there you have to work a lot harder than in a call centre with far left staff to support you. Less staff. Minimum wage jobs are just not working for people anymore. You can't live on the money. Five full days, three days of nine hours and two ten-hour shifts a week with a few euro tax. You come out with 410 euro for the week. Nobody can live on that with rent, gas and electricity before any other bills. I worked in a call centre part-time for about a year and found the way I was treated while doing a 12-month medical admin course was a horrific experience. I enjoyed and valued the training, but we had no time off for summer holidays and we were paid three days only if we were out sick. And just another couple this side of 10, I worked in a call centre for two years. I think the only reason I stayed so long was because I was 18 and it was a wage after finishing school. I made great friends there, but it was definitely the worst job I ever had. You're timed going on your toilet breaks. And if you went over five minutes in a work, if you went over the five minutes in an eight hour working day, it affect, it affects your statistics. And you're pulled into meetings because of it. I remember having to run back to my desk after lunch breaks just to make sure I didn't go over by even a few seconds. In relation to pay, we were paid annually 18,500, an absolute pittance. Wages for call centres average at 22 grand. I worked in a call centre in West Cork. I just can't get that out of my head. People's toilet breaks being timed. It's actually quite Dickensian. It really and truly is. It's almost Oliver Twist-like. Back after 10, text 0868104106. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Free Food Friday again this Friday, heading into the bank holiday weekend. First bunch of shout-outs in about 10 minutes' time, so text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. Also today, I have tickets to give away for the 1975 at Musgrave Park on Tuesday the 13th of June, the 1975 at Musgrave Park. So we'll open the phone lines for that. And an added bonus ahead of the bank holiday weekend for you, we have tickets for Bingo Loco. And that's happening at the Marquee on Sunday night. So double passes for that if you're a fan of Bingo Loco. And we kind of have a much better idea as to what happens in Bingo Loco, because we featured it on air a few weeks ago when they were down doing Bingo Loco in Killarney. Um, And I suppose you would put in an adult advisory uh, for Bingo Loco. It's not your traditional bingo. So more on that across the uh, course of the morning and we'll give away those double passes and have some fun with them. Now, I was talking about holiday hotel prices compared to here for a week and then compared to uh, Portugal or Spain for a week and the difference in prices for that week. Um, and then uh, someone listening sent to me a screen grab of the Cedar Boathouse in Baltimore uh, where they said, they see, and this is actually it's real, it's from booking.com um, and it, it's not accurate but it's certainly on booking.com where it says um, four beds, two bedrooms, one bathroom for two nights um, in the Cedar Boathouse in Baltimore, €23,145. Euro. 
you kind of almost would believe it, considering the costs of things in Ireland. But we contacted the Cedar Boathouse in Baltimore and they said that is definitely not correct. It is definitely not €23,145 as it says on Booking.com. The actual price for the two nights in this beautiful location is €815. So it's vastly less and that's to take seven guests, right? Seven guests. It's um, €815. So how come these prices can end up on Booking.com? That's interesting, isn't it? How come these prices appear? Um... I don't know the answer to that. Perhaps somebody else does. Anyway, text 0868104106. Can I just turn back uh, to a story that we've been dealing with over the past few days? Because this morning we're hearing the news of families of residents of Beaumont Nursing Home protesting again outside ministerial constituency offices. Earlier in the week, it was outside Michal Martin's constituency office. This morning, families of the residents are at the offices of Michael McGrath and Simon Coveney. Um, and uh, they're calling on the government to intervene. So that's what's going on now with families at both of those constituency offices. Now, my understanding is that the uh, the company, as in Care Choice, and the National Treatment Purchase Fund are meeting today uh, to see if they can hammer out a new deal. Now, if there's news on that, uh, throughout the course of the morning, we shall see. Uh, I wasn't able to get uh, Michael Michal McGrath, sorry, Michal Martin on the air because he didn't have an available slot, I'm told. Uh, and Michael McGrath was due on, but he said, wait until after the meeting this morning before we discuss it. But uh, I do have uh, a Southside uh, TD uh, on the subject, and it's Donica O'Leary from Sinn Féin. He joins me by phone. Donica, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. So, first up, we know of the protests. Now, whether they'll make a blind bit of difference, I don't know. There was one outside me halls. This morning, it's Michael McGrath and, and Simon Coveney. Um, what, is this your constituency? Does it, is it your patch, that area of Beaumont? Yeah, it would be. Yeah, okay. yeah it would be within Cockfield. Okay. Because it's, 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 it's a small amount of money. You know, there's, there's quite an amount... There's quite, an, there's quite an amount to be done here. It's, it's, it works out something like €85 Euro a week, according to my calculations. What are your thoughts on it? Why have we got to this situation? Well, look, I mean, I suppose my big concern here is that there seems to be a lack of engagement. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad to hear that this meeting has happened today because that has been my demand over the last three weeks is that the NTPF would meet with Care Choice in relation to Bowman because, like... Look, I suppose it's not for me or any opposition TD to be trying to carry out negotiations across the dial floor or on the radio. And I know you have to keep an eye on the public funds and make sure that everything is done properly. But it seems to me that there has been a real lack of engagement from the NTPF with Care Choice. As the Care Choice would be have been saying that in the course of the last eight months that they've made fifteen requests to try and meet them, and there's only been one meeting Correct. in the last in the last three yeah. weeks. And they get uh, €1,085, but to keep a patient who's on fair deal costs them 1270 and they've no option but to remove all fair deal pay, um, residents and replace them with private residents. Yeah, and look, I mean, I suppose this seems to be a problem that's cropping up in a number of places. I'm aware that there's challenges with nursing homes in Thurless. I'm aware that there's challenges with nursing homes, other nursing homes in Cork as well. Um, so, like, I mean, we have to try and address this. Look, I mean, in an ideal world, I would much rather see nursing homes publicly provided and all that. You know, you, you would know my politics in that regard, Neil. But at the end of the day, in the reality of where we are, if we're going to ask private providers to provide care, 
to our elderly and vulnerable people. And a lot of these residents here would be would be quite vulnerable. Some are, 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 I suppose, more active than others, but a lot of them would be quite vulnerable. Some of them have dementia. This is extremely distressing for them and for their families. Uh, and if you're going to have that kind of system, you have to make sure that the sums add up, that they're, that they're able to break even uh, at minimum in relation to the service that they're providing. Yeah. Clearly, that's isn't the case as far as care choice is concerned. As I say, it's not for me to set a rate, it's not for me to negotiate over the air with, but like at, at the very least, when everything is going up, when the price of energy, when the price of food, when the price of absolutely everything that you need to run a nursing home or any other type of business like that is going up, of course there's going to be increased costs. And as far as I know, the uplift that they would have received would have only been about €16 Euro per patient and not anywhere near enough to meet increased cost of living. So uh, no, they only got the sixteen. That that is accurate. But twenty six nursing homes have crossed have closed across the state in the last year and a half, and they're saying more will go because of this. I was talking to Pat Kennedy of the Windmill Group. He owns particularly a, a care home in Churchtown, um, and ninety uh, percent of the beds are fair deal. And he says inflation is making is running amok, and we just can't make the numbers add up anymore. That's it, exactly. Like, so this clearly is a, a policy across the, a policy problem across the board. But I suppose, look, my first priority, and I don't hold a brief for care choice, and look, I mean, I do understand that the HSE and the NTPF have to achieve value for money. I get that. But there has to be engagement. You have to be talking to these people to try and iron these things out. The priority here has to be the 72 residents. As far as I know, there's about 55 of them in the, in the Fair Deal scheme. For those families, this has been an absolute nightmare these last couple of weeks. They are so worried about having to move them or how they're going to try and make the money up and like you know should they yeah there are 73 residents of which 56 are fair deal should they have to be protesting though family members worried about their loved ones outside uh, ministerial offices like this um it shouldn't get to this no, it shouldn't get to this. It shouldn't get to this. And, like, I mean, you know, people might say, well, so why do they need to be protesting? But at the end of the day, to say that, like, to say that this meeting is happening today is, to me, demonstration that the, that the actions of the residents have at least for some progress. They have at least brought the NTPF back to the table, which is, which is really the fundamental issue. Like, even myself now, when I first became aware of this, I contacted the HSE locally, I contacted the HSE nationally, but the HSE nationally said, well, that's the matter for the NTBF. And I said, grand, okay, can I have an email address? And I said, well, we don't really have a specific email yeah, address. Yeah, you can go yeah. on their website and have a look. Like, you know, they just don't seem to be within reach and they don't seem to be willing to be held accountable. Okay. And I think that's a really poor way of treating what are very elderly, vulnerable residents and, and their relatives who are who are absolutely... Uh, traumatised by all this. It's been an awful couple of weeks. And you know something? Protesting does make a difference because it brings it into the public eye. I'm looking at some of the placards outside the constituency offices uh, over the past couple of protests. One says, a big one says, save my nan's home. And that protester with that placard has a photograph of their nan on the placard. It's just so sad. Others have photographs of their loved ones on signs as well. It's um, it's just heartbreaking, really, that it would it would come. I mean, I, I, without dwelling on it too much, but Beaumont gets a thousand and eighty-five per resident per week, and down the road, St. Luke's gets one thousand three hundred and sixty-five. Do you see the disparities there? I do, I do. And uh, like, I mean, look, I mean, it is fair to say that there is a difference in the cost basis, but it's not to that extent. It's not to that extent well, that's at all. True, like, I suppose, not, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I mean, it's not to the extent of hundreds of euro, like, you know, so. So look, as I say, I don't have a brief okay. for care choice. And like, I mean, they can stand on their own two feet and make their case. My priority is these residents. 
get everyone back to the table. Let's try and figure this out because no, those people shouldn't have to protest. And I, I've spoken to a number of them and they've never protested before in their lives. But that's because they're so worried. That's why they're driven to this. Of course, it's such a fundamental thing. If it's your mother, your father, your your grandmother, your uncle, whatever, like, you know, and they have been safe and secure and happy and looked after, and that's threatened to how could you not be anything but but very worried and want to see that resolved as soon as possible okay. because the future is uncertain. You need just, to, yeah. They need to have that certainty. There's just another topic regarding nursing homes that's making the news and in fact the Minister Butler spoke about this on WLR recently where nursing homes will now be allowed to close and to flip to becoming refugee centres. They'll have to wait two years for it. Minister Mary Butler said she knew of it happening already where private operators see housing refugees as a more lucrative way of making money than caring for older people. That's got to be another alarming worry, surely. I didn't see that, and I'd have to, I suppose, examine it carefully, Like, but I mean, yeah, I would be of the view that... We li- they're lifting support. the ban on private nursing homes being used as refugee centres. It's as, it's as simple as that. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I wasn't aware that there, there was or wasn't a ban or anything like that, but look, I mean, I suppose, in terms of nursing homes, we can't afford to lose any more capacity. So, like, I mean, we need to do but whatever doesn't it we show, can. But doesn't it show that nursing homes really are about big business and about profits if they would do that because they would see more money in refugees than the elderly? Well, look, I've already said I, 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 I don't have a brief for the nursing homes and it's not the model I would choose. What I would like to see, we're a long distance away from it, but what I would like to see is publicly provided nursing homes. We do have some, but they're, they're probably a minority of it. That's the model that I would like to see. But, but in the situation that we're in, we're not going to do that overnight. And while we're relying on the private sector, we can't, we can't half do it. We can't try and, you know, expect the private sector to do it without enough to make, you know, to break even. Like, so if we're going to choose this model, if we're going to live with this model for another while, and I would like to move on from it, then, you know, we have to make sure that there's adequate right. funding. But, okay. I, no, I just want to stay with this for a little while because we now have um, uh, 100,000 Ukrainian war refugees and, inter- and international asylum seekers in Ireland since the start of last year. It's 100,000. And expected that it's expected that another 60,000 migrants are expected to arrive by the end of this year. W- what are your thoughts on that? Um, when, when, it, when, is, when will we reach a, a, um, a stage where we're actually full? Well, listen, there's no doubt but that it's extremely challenging. It's putting uh, uh, an awful lot of pressure on uh, trying to find accommodation for these people. Like, look, the reason that we have the asylum system that we have is because of conflicts in the past where people were fleeing oppression and needed a safe place to go. Uh, and uh, look, we do have obligations in that regard. I suppose the whole of Europe has obligations in that regard. Now, in doing that, I suppose we need to do a lot better in terms of how this is communicated. But we also need to ensure that, you know, the resources are put in. A lot of the problem here is that we have public services that were already creaking uh, because of underinvestment, because we've had government after government that haven't properly uh, prioritised public investment in our healthcare system and our housing system. We are, we are, we are I suppose, reaping the whirlwind of the, the crop in terms of housing uh, because we stopped building social housing during the late 2000s. And but that's a di- no, but that's a, that's a different subject entirely, you know. I don't, like, I don't think it is, Neil, because I suppose when you're talking about, I suppose the concern... No, no, it is. For instance, I mean, here, here's, here's how, how daft it is. Those 64 modular homes in Mahan that have been completed, right? And you'll have Ukrainian refugee families moving in there. That doesn't even equate to the amount of Ukrainians that are coming into the country on one day. 
Yeah, there's more than 64 coming in on one day. And these 64 modular homes, they'd only house, the, they'd only house incoming Ukrainians for a day. Do you know what I mean? It, like, it's nonsense. Well, my understanding is that those modular homes will go to Ukrainians who are living locally. Yes. Kids are in the local schools but and so on. But it's, so it but it's, there, yeah, I, 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 I understand. that people who are locally integrated already are in decent circumstances uh, for the three years that they'll be there. And then after that, they'll probably move on to social housing after that. Um, no, they're not, I suppose. We'll have social to housing. Ho- I, yeah, they're not going well, home, no? Like I, I don't know how you could. I, I don't like. I know, I've heard some talk about the modular units being sent back to Ukraine. I don't think that that's a very logical. I think that that would be logistically very expensive. So I think probably what will happen is that they will uh, go back into the council housing stock. Now, who you allocate to them at that stage is, is you know, probably you know we'll have to have a think about that because they're not very big units. I'm not sure that they'll be. The ideal for for families at that particular. Oh, I see what you're saying. That is that um, the modular homes would revert to social housing. Um, it I wouldn't, think that's that's yeah. the most likely thing. Like they'll only be used as the modular temporary, I suppose, emergency accommodation for a period of three years, as long as the directive, the European directive, lasts. Um, but look, I mean, I suppose in terms of the wider issue, like I mean, look, you saw the I poll, the Red Sea poll recently in the Business Post, where the vast majority of people are saying that we cannot take any more. You, you don't sound to be yeah. a believer of that. No, I do. I look, listen, I'm not this. I, I understand opinion polls, and I know how they work. Like, I mean, I suppose my sense of that would be, I understand it. I understand that. I mean, in an ideal world, um, we would not necessarily be dealing with such a scale. It's uh, it's an emergency situation. It's not what you would wish for. It's not what you would plan for. And I think that that's where a lot of people are. And I sympathize. I, I, I understand with that. And I, I think to a large extent, I agree that it's not the ideal circumstances. We wouldn't want to be dealing with this kind of emergency. But I suppose you have to ask yourself the question, I suppose, what do you do? Like, I mean, you know, when you draw the line at a certain number, what do you say to the Ukrainian who's coming from a place like Kharkiv or whatever that's on fire and you say to them well listen sorry you're going to have to you're going to have to head back along I mean obviously that's not right Can we, we can't tell the European Union that we really are creaking and can't deal with it anymore um, that it's almost cost a billion so far no we can't say any of those things I, I think there is scope for discussions with the European Union about how you spread the load but like I mean I think there are other countries that are that have as many and more now a lot of those would actually be some of the poorer countries in the east of the European Union that have probably taken on proportionally more and maybe some of the other wealthy countries could do a bit more and can there be discussions about that but in terms of one woman and one child who land here at the airport and say listen we're coming here from Kharkiv or whatever part or Donetsk or whatever part of the east um, or whatever part of Kiev uh, or the Ukraine and they come here like it's not viable to say to them listen you have to head on the way home because you know we have no place safe to put we have no place to put you like, what about those that are coming here without passports the ones that have no identification you can get into Ireland with a passport but you can't get out of Ireland with a passport is that okay as well? No it's not okay and I, I think probably that is something that does need to be looked at I believe it is an offence no having said that like I mean I suppose there are circumstances where where people don't have valid travel documents because they're coming from a country that wouldn't issue with them with valid travel documents. Like if you're coming from a place like Afghanistan and you're you're fleeing the Taliban, the Taliban, and if the, you're frightened of the Taliban, the Taliban's not going to give you a valid passport. Like you know, they're not going to give you, you know, they're not going to say let you walk away there and let you go on your way. Like that's clearly not the case. Like so, like in terms of the system as a whole, like we do have to have decisions around who is a legitimate asylum seeker and who is 
claim against Ireland and there's no basis for us. Sometimes the decisions around that can be too slow, but do we have a, an obligation to provide asylum to people who are genuinely f- fleeing conflict and oppression? I believe we do. And like we do have to think back as to why do the international uh, arrangements around asylum exist? They were drafted well, off the back of the Second World War. And I'm not saying... No, I, know, I understand that. It's just that... It's nothing it, like that. But it, no, it is important. It, it, it is important. We have to have... We have to have rules that understand that, unfortunately, man's inhumanity to man can deal, can result in absolutely brutal conflict. It can result in slaughter. It can deal in oppression. And because of that, people do flee their but, homeland and they flee places like Afghanistan. I, I understand, I understand that like but I'm just, won- I'm just wondering why in this period of like say two years there was an, a, an, an enormous surge in people coming here under international protection applications. It, it, okay, you, you might say that there's much more terror and war in the world now but between 2019 and 2022 the application for international protection applicants rocketed by 185%. Would that not lead you to believe that people know that Ireland is open, that there is a welfare system available, a housing available, and that they may not all be genuine? Yeah, look, I suppose there's a couple of things there. One, I think some of that would be due to the fact that for a large part of that period, like there's been a spike recently because there's a lot more availability of travel. Like during COVID, there wasn't flights, there wasn't sailings, there wasn't, you know, it wasn't possible to travel in the same kind of way. But you don't believe the word is out though on Ireland. You don't think that. I mean, we had a minister recently say, we will house you within four months. You don't think that word gets on the internet, people see it? Look, I I suppose I I, I don't live in those countries that I would be able to establish that, to be honest with you, Neil. But like, I mean, is it my view that, you know, if somebody claims asylum and uh, they have no basis for it, then, like, I mean, I, I don't think that they should, you know, like, I think that they're, you know, they should be refused asylum. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not opposed to that. Like, I mean, you do have to distinguish between those who are genuinely fleeing oppression and those who are not. And are there people who are making claims that are not valid? Yes, there probably are. Are the, the, the majority? I don't believe that they are. But, like, I mean, I think decisions need to be made quicker. And I think that's fair for everyone. I think it's you, be, you believe that the majority aren't genuine? No, no, I don't believe that the majority aren't genuine. But I believe that there are some who aren't genuine. Okay. I believe that the majority are genuine. I do believe so. Um, but I believe that there are people who would not be genuine. But what we need to do is, and I actually did raise this in the dial in the last couple of weeks, is make sure that decisions are made quickly. Because it's not fair on anyone to be waiting around years and years for decisions in relation to this, whether you're valid or not. And that's why Um, we're being sued now. That's why we're being sued by some um, uh, asylum seekers, because of the length of time. Yeah, so, like, I mean, I I, I raised that in a bill there recently on course proceedings. Like, I think we do need to, we need to speed up decisions, because it's not fair to say if you are a valid claimant, like, I mean, you're waiting eight or nine years before you can start your life here, um, really, in troops, um, and that's not right either to have that hanging over you. And similarly, like you know, if you if you if you if you make a claim and it's not decided to be valid, like I mean, it's much much more difficult to uproot than after after years of being here. So I think it's fair to everyone, and it's fair for confidence in the system to ensure that there are uh, quick decisions made in relation to it. Like you know, okay. but okay. look, I do believe the majority are valid. It's definitely very challenging. It's definitely very challenging, and that's what I see in the opinion poll. This is not a situation we would like to be dealing with by any manner. No, because a lot of Irish but people we, are pinned to their collar and they see they um, are, a very divisive society and like, because of that. And I would say, I would say to people, like, I mean, look, 
you know, if people are frustrated because they're not able to access housing, like that problem existed before now. That problem has been brewing for a couple of years. I'd urge people to come out in March on the 10th in relation to housing. And, uh, like, look, just so you mentioned the area, Mahan, like, I mean, there was Finnefall councillors voted against social housing in the Skate Harbour Road there just three years ago. And I don't know how they stand over that, to be totally honest with you. Um, so, like, if people are frustrated that they can't get a house, it's not... I wouldn't be kicking down. I would be kicking up and I would be going after the government in relation to this. And right. I would definitely particularly encourage people to come out on March for the right to housing, uh, for the, the raise the roof protest on the 10th. Okay, thanks, Donna Collier. So we'll wait and see what happens this morning with regards to the meeting between um, uh, Care Choice and the National Treatment Purchase Fund. I saw a huge, big, massive banner actually uh, regarding that rally and that march on Connolly Hall yesterday and was in that particular area. So that's happening. Um, and I haven't got the exact date, but I think it's uh, it's certainly in the next week or 10 days, but I'll get some more details on that. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. It's also a free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So this will feed upwards of 15 of you, maybe closer to 20, but you'll get a select of starters consisting of chicken wings, chicken skewers and beef skewers and then the main events, chicken wraps, chicken pittas, beef burgers and all the meats basted in the famous piri sauce and there's piri salted fries, uh, rice and the new side, the new waffles and they're going to throw in the mayo and the garlic mayo. Then you build your own cheesecake, big massive cheesecakes with all sorts of different toppings. So you can check out the full menu and visit yourself, Rooster's Piri Piri. Dot com. So first bunch of shout-outs for Pat McDonald Paints on the Commons Road to Tails and Tubbs Dog Grooming in Douglas Woolen Mills with Love Feeding, AOC Commercials, Tidy Mechanical Repairs in Ballycoreen, the Complete Upholstery Centre on Barrack Street. Here's an interesting one. Free Food Friday for our two family businesses on this beautiful sunny Friday. A two-for-one deal, Neil. It's Noreen's Hair Studio in White's Cross and Sean O'Leary Groundworks in Kildinan. Uh, you can't pass on a two-for-one deal now, can you? <laughs> Cope Foundation in Montanati, O'Sullivan's Pharmacy in Grange Road in Douglas, CQ Business Systems are listening in Wilton, Pro Photonics in Little Island, working hard as always, Clonacilty Plumbing, Plumbing and Bathrooms, great service morning to Sylvia and O'Sheen, and that's from Sean, to Barsley Development in Cove, EcoWall ICF and Concrete Plumbing in Cork are all listening, Animal Health Laboratories in Bandon, morning to Don and all the gang, and Nicola and Helen and Amy and Leah and Leanne, Sophie, Noel, John, Dermot, Anne-Marie and Margaret, to the Accounts Payable to Department at the uh, Dairy Gold. Everybody at GRP Roofing, uh, the Tremor Commercial Park. If you've got any roofing needs, they say give us a call. Skull Kriyasa. Morning to Louise O'Donovan from uh, Killeen's, nominating the school, the primary school in Blarney. They're working hard the last eight weeks. They've got a fundraiser for the school, Peddling for Purpose. They've got 38 grand raised already and they'd love feeding to celebrate. Everybody at the pharmacy department in the South Infirmary and the Victoria Hospital. Unpost, the South Delivery Office in Toker. Morning, Sharon. And everybody working for Unpost. Harahan Sports Field Developments in Inniscarna, who are uh, draining the GAA pitch in Inniscarra at the moment. And they'd love some feeding as well. So, we'll do some more shout-outs in about a half an hour's time, so text who you are and where you are to 86 106 and we'll get some more shout-outs then at that stage. With regards to the Mahan Modular Homes, are you aware that the Modular Homes in Mahan are only enough to house one day of arrivals from Ukrainian refugees Good point, and I made that a little earlier on this morning. That raised the roof protest. My apologies, Jonathan, actually. Uh, sorry, my apologies. 
We actually mentioned it there with Donico O'Leary, the 10th of June, the 10th of June. Now that Ukrainians are moving into modular homes, will they be paying rent and paying for their energy bills? Um, says Anne. Uh, I, I don't know about the energy stuff, but no to the rent. There's a factory in Germany building houses, Neil. They can bring them on site and put them up in four days. In one week, they do the carpentry, the plumbing, the electrical, the plastering and the painting. A house factory would do very well here like they have in Germany. Morning. There is no problem leaving Ireland without a passport, I'd see. But try leaving Ireland. Uh, actually, no problem arriving in Ireland with a passport, I should say. But have you ever tried to leave Ireland without a passport if you're Irish, forget about it. Uh, did you know that uh, the guard, uh, Karina then down in Charleville talking about the guards and the antisocial behaviour, she's on the ball, not enough guardie on the beat. It's coming to a stage that every guard in the country will be carrying a taser gun soon. Things are going so bad. Uh, another one, leave it to the Irish government to give away our agricultural industry, give away our fisheries and ruin our tourist industry. The Spanish didn't do any of the above or build houses for Ukrainian migrants while destroying their own cities, which took over 50 years to evolve. It's an interesting point there with regards to um, who's responsible for decimating the tourist industry. Do you not think that the hotels have a role to play in that one? But anyway, back to the phone lines we go. Uh, Jonathan's in line three. Jonathan, good morning. How's it going, Neil? Good, my man. What do you want to talk about? The amount of people coming into Ireland who are male, is it? Well, male, mainly all male, to be honest, Neil. And well, I was listening to I was listening to Donica there just before their break and um like Sinn Fein are a big pusher of these open border policies, like you know, like Sinn Fein are one of the main parties saying like that they they want to bring in all of these people into this country when they know like our hospitals are full or our schools are full. The man you just said the man just said that that our resources he did say that the resources well, why, why are they why are, why are they pushing for the open border border policy, like? Why don't they say enough is enough? We need to close the borders. Right? I asked him that on a number of occasions, and to be and to, without being disrespectful, I kind of think he half kicked for touch on it. Yeah, only half kicked, though. You know, when he see when he knows he well knows the state this country is in, and how like people like myself, we're working six days a week. I'm only thirty years of age. I have one child. We have a rent in a house. Working six days a week, and I'm nothing by the end of the week. And I see these fellas. I'm working the city nearly five days a week and I see all these newcomers in the best of clothes best of phones like I would never be able to afford tracksuits and runners and watches and phones like these fellas have walking around the city like and how can you identify who they are how can you know that they're because not here they under their own before. steam and working they weren't here last year they weren't here two years ago yeah, but how do you know they're not here working they could be working in any kind of a business Neil, they could be working down in, you, in they Telus. stand out like a sore thumb by this. and if you can't see this you, you, like Stevie Wonder can see these fellas. Do you know what I mean? That's how, that's how they stand out like a sore thumb. They're standing at corners. They were in the Peace Park the other day, six of them drinking cans of whatever they were drinking. Langer's drunk. And any girls go up and start on any of them or tell them they have to move on? No, but if it was us inside the Peace Park drinking, we wouldn't even be able to finish a can and we'd be told to move on. Yeah, but Irish people are drinking cans in the parks all the time. I see them in Bishop Lucy Park. I see them in the Peace Park. And, Come on. and they, get, they, they get moved on. No, I'm just curious as to how you know they and, came here uh, and, and uh, are being looked after by the state. Out, out, in the, out in the Travel Lodge, I have a friend staying in the Travel Lodge. And he's, he's one, there's only three Irish people in there. And all males, there are 202 rooms inside the Travel Lodge. 
And I went out to collect him the other day because we were going out for something to eat. And I went down and I collected him. I was parked outside the travel lodge. And the fellas walking in and out them doors with the best of gear and the best of cars outside. Every single one of them have a car parked outside the door, Neil. They're most likely no to be... There's no tax. I walked around. I checked the windows. There's no tax and more for the cars. Are they import cars? Do the cars come no, from... No, they're Irish cars, cocked ridges. With no tax or insurance? No tax. There's insurance on some of them, but there's no tax or NCT in some of the cars. And they're pulling in and pulling out freely, whenever, willy-nilly, whenever they want to go out. What home. happens if they're pulled? Have you photographic evidence of that? Do you take pictures of them or anything? I did. I have a video. Of all of the cars? Of a few of them, yeah. All right. I'd like to see that, if you don't mind. But... but they, what, what what happens if they're pulled over by the Gardaí? The that's, what, that's, what I li- that's what I'd like to know, Neil. That's what I'd like to know. Okay, okay. And like, the, like I was, I say, it was five minutes. I was sitting outside waiting for him to come out, and there was at least fifteen fellas walked out the door in the best. I mean, no, like top of the range but, but clothes. What, like. what do you want them to go around in rags? Is it? No, I want them to go around in walking boots, walking clothes. Go out and walk. Pay it off, Neil. Sorry yeah. for language. Okay, sorry for that. Yeah. But paid away. Like when, 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 back when the Polish came and all the Lithuanians came there years ago, they had to work for 24 months before they got any social welfare whatsoever. We'd have been lost without Eastern Europeans coming over to work here. I think you'd agree with that. Totally and utterly lost. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But, but like the Polish, I know two Polish fellas and they were saying to me, when they came here 10 or 12 years ago, they had to work for two years before they can get a penny off the social welfare. So what do you think should happen? I think everyone, every, well, if people are coming to this country are, that are meant to be fleeing war, wouldn't you think they want to provide instead of just taking, taking, taking? Well, it's not as if they're taking anything. They're giving it. It's an oh, obligation. It. Yeah, exactly, giving it. But like when they come, like if I went to a country, the first thing I do is want to, want to walk, want to provide, provide my own way, like... I don't want to be getting anything for nothing, especially our people that have nothing, because in this country we have absolutely nothing. The, the normal Joe Soap has nothing, like. Well, we hear about that, of course, when it comes particularly to the more vulnerable, the elderly or the very young or sick children and things like that. And then people on housing lists or can't afford to get a mortgage yeah, sure. or put we together tried, a We deposit. tried to get, get a doctor for my child last week and a walk-in clinic owned the lock. We walked in, it says walk-in clinic up on the door, walk-in, I walked in. And the girl said, oh, you, you need to make an, an appointment over the phone that we're not taking any walk-ins. I said, sorry, I said, it's a walk-in clinic. I said, my son is sick out in the car. I said, and the door is open. I walked in. And she said, oh, the doctor's only taking calls over the phone. Well, they want to do something about their sign over the door then. And that's what I said to her. And I said, to be honest, no, I said, I'm not leaving. I said, because my child is sick outside. I said, I'm getting my child. I'm sitting down in the waiting room until I'm seen by a doctor. She went in. Two minutes later, she came back home and said, oh, the doctor will see you. All right. Well, you stood your ground like any good dad would well, do. Well, 55 euro for a phone call and he'll, he'll diagnose your child over the phone. Is that what it is? It's a 55 euro call. 55 euro call, yeah. And, and they, so never meet, they never meet the child. You just tell them never the Never even see the child. They, they told my neighbour to tell the child cough into the phone. Cough? See what's wrong with the ch- cough into the phone to see what's wrong with the child. Ah, that's bizarre, man. That's bizarre. You know and then what like, do they do then? They send you a prescription by... A prescription for an antibiotic over the phone without even seeing the child. I know, things have gone crazy. That's crazy. And, and especially with kids, Neil, because like, kids need the right treatment. Like. Okay, all right. Okay. I, like, I, like, I do see... I like, I, I, like, Neil, I'm not racist. I'm not these far-right people. I'm just a worried 
parent, a worried Irish citizen, like my kids are going to go up in this country. I don't want my kids to be going to Australia, going to Canada, or going leaving this country when they're older. But that's where it's coming, huh? Because they're going to have nowhere to stay, no houses, no nothing. All right, I got some more calls here. I appreciate yours, Jonathan. Thanks for Thanks that. For Much obliged and passion yep. point of view. Uh, Rafik is on WhatsApp. Rafik, good morning. Yeah, good morning, sir. Are you in good Cork morning. or are you overseas? Oh, I am in Cork. Okay, okay. So pick up on the conversation. Um, this is on uh, different parts. I hadn't intended, incidentally, going to just say to be going down this road this morning, but there you go. Uh, are you talking about the different areas where people come from, is it? Uh, yeah, I'm just saying, you know, there's refugees coming here on uh, Ireland. I can hear the radio that a lot of people have commotions now that... Um, We've been overloaded full on the healthcare and other um, system accommodation. So, um, especially now for Ukrainians, I know there is a war and they need to come or go somewhere a safe haven. But the Ukraine is a very big country. And like in North or South in Ireland, you could have a war on one part of the country or the capital. So, there is a lot of areas or sides. Yeah, as in areas. some are saying you could move from east to west Ukraine, for instance. Yeah, and then create a, a refugee center there, like a safe haven. You built a, a with the EU or a global fund, you know, and then um, put them there, those who are like fleeing the war zone. And then eventually from there, um, you provide them if the war situation <coughs> uh, finish or improved. Um, settle down, they can go back to their country or they can stay there, they can have their own uh, plans and things mm. nearby. Mm. And if there is a, a requirement that some need to be shifted, then you build another safe haven here in Ireland and any other European country, build, build a modular home first, and then you um, shift. If you have to shift 500, 1,000, you just cannot come in and already overstress accommodation, okay. health, you just can't put in there. That's, okay. that's the point I'm making. Okay, okay. Move from east to west as opposed to move in within the country rather than coming to uh, Ireland directly. I, I have seen many of the Ukrainian war refugees in different situa- situations uh, here in the city and I've seen them in country areas um, and quite an amount of the places are quite rural uh, where they have nothing to do all day. Some of them now have begun to work. They're working in restaurants and hotels and cafes and they're working in hairdressing salons and things like that. So they are contributing in that regard. Um, but others then just hang around all day long with nothing to do. I can't imagine that that would be an attractive thing uh, to want to come over and just be bored. You know, they, 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 a lot of them must have had to leave the country. Yeah, those we have to, yeah, but uh, what I'm saying is you built here, not not too far, but you built here, um, wherever you need to be, you built here um, first, accommodation you build first, and then um, uh, you build, and then, um, <clears throat> then you, um, All right. then you bring the people, you know. Build, so, for, build so first. That is the point I'm making. Okay. All right. And you originally came from, I think it was Pakistan, was it? Oh, sorry, Bangladesh. Well, it's Pakistan, Bangladesh. Okay, Bangladesh. Okay. So, did, you, uh, did you come over as a student originally? Yeah, I was a student a long time ago, 30 odd years ago, and I married here. Uh, there was no plan. So um, So you came here, and, uh, fell in love, um, started a family, uh, yeah, yeah. And, 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 went, <laughs> yeah. and went out to work for a living? 
Yeah, yeah. Good man, good man. All right, okay. Cheers, you're under pressure there. I'll let you get on. Uh, he's driving taxis inside in town, actually, Rafiq. Fair play to him. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Just a quick one. I need to take an ad break. In fact, I will take an ad break and come back after these. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. You can pick up the phone on 0818104106. Charlie, thanks for holding. Can you hear me? Can hear you that one, yeah. Okay, go ahead. I'm listening. Tell us your story. Yeah. I'm assuming you're going to be 100% accurate with me now. Yeah. I put something on done deal and I got a call from a person in Skibbereen. Are you not saying what you put up on done deal? I put a kayak up. A kayak, deal. good man, right. Yeah. Yeah. I had a person ring me from Kin or from um, Skibbereen and he said he was interested in it. So I met him in Cork and he gave me he transferred the money into how much was how much was account. the kayak I'm just curious 700 700 euro for a kayak wow must be a good yeah, one it was a, it was a three man kayak right okay so 700 yeah, so euro up and done deal, deal got a call from a guy in Skib and you met him in Cork right yeah and he, he I said to him you have to give me the money first and he said I'll transfer are you on Revolut and I said yeah so he transferred it straight away into me account in Revolut I saw it and I asked him I said to him because I knew he was he was from another country so I asked him what part of the world are you from and he said Ukraine so I said I said to him I said there's a war over in Ukraine I said why aren't you fighting with your brothers over there and he started laughing and he said I have a child he said I don't have to and I said but I said you should like I said an Irishman went over and fought for your country I said and got killed I said and I said and there was another person with him and he was Ukraine as well and the two of them started laughing and they said why should we work over in Ukraine we have a free house down in Skibbereen looking over to sea and everything is free for us here. But did they, okay, but did they know that before they came here? I mean, it worked out that way for them, but were they expect, what did they think when they left Ukraine? That it was going to be like that or what? Uh, I don't know, Neil, but listen, if there's a war in Ireland, you don't think we'd all free Ireland to go to other countries and not fight for our country? If you were That's a fighting that. age, if you know what I mean by that, no. Yeah, he was only about 28 and he looked really fit like. And the other lad was a fit young fellow as well, young man. Yeah, the okay. two of them, and the t- yeah, and the, they bought the kayak, and he he texted me then because I had the fins for the kayak. I never gave them to him, and he texted me, and he sent me on his air code, and I looked at his air code, and it was looking over the sea down in down in Skibbereen. Okay, and okay. It, it's all for free. Okay, but is he getting all of the benefits that go with that? Everything. He t- he couldn't believe it. He was laughing while he was telling me, and he had good English as well. But that's not the point. I wanted to, I wanted to see why, why he wasn't he fighting for his country. And okay, he said that I ha- have a child. Yeah, that's and the it, reason why he said Okay, that. yeah. But many, 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 many people left Ukraine. Mothers and children left and elderly people left and the men stayed behind. But he didn't stay behind. He laughed and said... No. But did he say to you, why would I do that when I have a house by the sea and the government are giving me... Do you say they're giving yeah, me 50 said, euro a week? Better, this, is, this is a better life. All right. Did he say he was getting fifty euro a week for diesel extras? For, for diesel, yeah, for diesel, for, for to that he can travel around. Yeah, yeah. You see, under under the upcoming hate legislation in this country that they're going to pass in the doll, calls like yours will probably be deemed to be a hate call. What do you think of that? No, it's not a hate call. I no, I'm just saying. Friends. I'm just saying things that are coming down the track here are quite. They're quite suspicious. They're quite sinister, and and it would be deemed as being. There's, there's, Incitement it's not about hate or nothing in that, Neil. It's just that it, I, I started laughing myself 
when he told me he was from Ukraine. Like the whole world is is um, is is put back over this war, and he's living in Ireland enjoying himself, and he's entitled to enjoy himself. But if there's a war in your country, I think you should be fighting for your country. Okay, but you don't have an issue with the fact that he has the house in Skibbereen, that he <laughs> is getting social welfare, and he can now well, go you now he can go kayaking on Loch Ine. Neil, there's a lot of... 12,000 people were homeless in, in Ireland before Ukraine war even started. And it's they're putting up these modular homes for the Ukrainians and everything like that. There's still people homeless, Irish people homeless, and they're not helping them. It's just very frustrating when you see something like this. And I saw it with my own eyes, that that our, the government of Ireland are leaving this happen. It's okay. crazy. Okay, that's a, a real-life scenario that you went through. Any page of the 700 by uh, your Revolut and everything? Straight away, in the seconds, he had it gone over to me account. Okay, all right. Okay, thank you, Charlie. Heartbreaking when you hear stories like that where people would laugh in your face. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. We'll pick up on that and lots more besides after 11. But can I just mention this side of 11? It's Free Food Friday, so keep those shout-outs coming in. Also, we have more tickets to give away uh, for Musgrave Park. Uh, the 75 are playing, and we've got double passes to give away for that. And also... Um, I happen to have double passes for Bingo Loco. Uh, show starts at half past seven at Sunday night. This is live at the marquee. This is a tiered seating gig. Supposed to be great fun. Mightn't be everybody's cup of tea. I think you need to be fairly broad-minded. But apparently, um, people love it. So I've got double passes to give away. And I'm thinking of something like along the lines of some kind of a bingo theme for this. A bingo theme. So if you want tickets, do stay listening. We'll be giving away, um, I think it's something like three sets of two. And that's between now and midday today. But back after 11. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. With Bingo Loco tickets to give away this hour and a double pass for the 1975 at Musgrave Park for June 13th. It's a Tuesday. That's all to be won between now and midday today. Um, and hopefully we'll return to our um, super duper uh, pizza oven that was given to me by Hanley's. We need to get to that as well. So, But a lot of calls. Can I, can I just I tell you, can I just talk to Paul? Then I need to get back to some free food Friday shout outs and return then again to more texts and calls between now and competitions between now and midday. So, Paul, good morning. Oh, good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Um, your text is an interesting one, but rather than just read it out, it's better to chat about it. Go for it. Uh, well, what I'm considering at the moment was the attitude that I'm finding around about all these uh, young men walking around alone. And that seems to frighten the life out of everybody. But... Uh, does anybody has anybody ever been to a refugee center? I think most of the people that talk about this have seen nothing. They see a lot of people walking around together, but you find that in any place with a lot of Irishmen in Boston or New York or Oh, this Boston. is referencing somebody who's saying he sees these characters drinking beer and half drunk inside in Bishop Lucy Park and the best of gear and they're clearly here um being paid and looked after by the state. That comment, is it? Uh, well, there's, there's things like that. That incl- it includes a lot of that because that's what uh, some people see, but that does not represent everybody that's there. Most of the people, and I've been to the refugee centres and I've seen these, a lot of these people, they're living in very small rooms with a whole family. And to go out for a walk, I mean, what, we hardly expect them to walk around in pairs just in case. 
with Bishop Lucy Park, Bishop Lucy Park has always been a problem. It's yeah. been a problem for years. It has. And that was long before we had any immigrants. And the fact is, in the 90s, early 90s, we had the polls coming. Everybody thought all the jobs were all gone. Everybody, yeah, we're all out of work. That's so, true. All that happened. There was a lot of suspicion and there was a lot of um, passion about it back in the 90s. Uh, it, was, it proved to be wrong. They were an incredible addition to our workforce and to our local communities. They were. And actually, then we had the boom which went down. Now, everybody now wants the government to change things. But people forget that they are the people who are choosing a government. And you get to change, you don't get to change the government. If you vote the same way, you don't expect things to change. We're also a part of the EU and we have our responsibilities there. I mean, yeah, it's so good. That's if, all if very well to say government. when the responsibilities to Irish people are seemingly ignored a lot these days. Uh, well, I don't think they're ignored. Uh, what can be done is being done. Admittedly, we are short in hospitals and places, but that's because the best of our people are being educated, and as soon as they finish, they end up in Australia or America. That's or in okay. And I, and I know that I know that there are. This is a multifaceted problem, but at the same time, there are many families listening to this will not go on a summer holiday this year. Will not board a plane. They can't put new shoes on their children. They're they're going to bed hungry themselves in the winter that's just gone. They were going to bed earlier so there wouldn't be any light or heat on. They cannot. Uh, children actually are being fed in many of our schools. They're going to penny dinners for food and food. And these are working families. Others then can are, are on getting eviction notices because they don't own their own property. More will never have enough money to get a mortgage because property prices are so crazy. And they see others then that would... And, 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 and I've always pushed back against people who give grief to immigrants or to refugees. But the bill now will soon be €1 billion. We'll have 160,000 Ukrainian refugees, International Protection Order individuals before the end of this year. And nobody is saying we can't do any more. It, it, it just keeps coming. Yeah, well, that one billion uh, probably wouldn't make too much of a difference to the 62 billion that we're apparently saving for the rainy day. So perhaps it's time to get the umbrellas out, you know. And I'm not talking about just for uh, immigrants. I'm talking for everybody as well, you know. I'm talking for these people who can't afford things and who are lost uh, for how are we going to heat our houses, how are we going to be doing that that is going to work for everybody, and it's another way we have to find to make sure that everybody is looked after. Because otherwise, we're just creating a system where we're turning people against one another. The way it was with the polls originally, and uh, now yeah. it's anybody with a dark-coloured skin, unless you go to the Mercy Hospital and you find that the only people who are coming to look at you, whether they're consultants or nurses, the best part are from Asia. Or from and nobody has a problem. Nobody has a problem with any of that. People with high qualifications coming to live and to work here, absolutely. But your point about London or Liverpool or or Boston or New York or Chicago, where the Irish went, um, they didn't get the best welcome in the world themselves. I accept that, but they all worked. They they worked their way through. If there was work for everybody, I know there are so many people in refugee centres with qualifications who are not allowed to work because. We have not got our asylum system in place where this sort of thing should be sorted early and those people with those qualifications could be out there working. We need houses 
let's build them. We have plenty of people who can build. See, we're always looking for an amnesty for all our people in America. And that, why don't we say, okay, you're here now, as long as you don't have any criminal record and stuff behind you, go to work and we'll sort it out later. Yeah, well, they are working, a lot of them, in fairness to them. They leave in the morning, they go to work and they come back in the evening. I think you'd go crazy. I'd go crazy without a job, that's for sure. i take the point, hanging around all day would just fry your head. Okay, good points. Uh, thank you for that, Paul. Appreciate it. Free Food Friday shout-outs. Uh, and we'll do one more bunch after this this side of midday. So to everybody at ML Scaffolding Services, working hard in the heat. Also to Mernan and O'Shea, who are on sites in Balancolic. Got six lads, but they'll share it with all the other people on site. Candell and Construction are working in the CUH. Middleton Credit Union are listening. Morning to the two Carolines, to Jackie and Laura. BCE Consulting Engineers of the Marina Commercial Park. Morning to all of you guys. To everybody at Lehan Motors of the Airport Road. Tesco Home Delivery Drivers sporting their new sexy summer uniform. Apparently the Tesco Home Delivery Drivers are now in shorts. That's good. Easier to move around. Tiernan Oak, Montessori and the Glen Rovers Club are all working hard looking after the kids over the few months gone. Architectural and Metal Systems are in Little Island doing the business. Atlantic Flight Training Academy in Cork Airport are listening. Lloyd's Pharmacy in Holly Hill working hard. Rockwell Engineering in Clohean. Uh, everybody at the Dean Hotel to the endoscopy unit of the Bonds Secours Hospital. They'd love lunch today for the hard-working team. Irish Removals and Bishopstown Brothers of Charity Day Service. Union Hall smoked fish, Capitol Hill Landscapes, the QC Department of MM Fibre Packaging and Ovens, Thalgo Beauty Centre on Tory Top Road, and we'll do another bunch of shout-outs between now and midday today. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Jerry, good morning. Thanks for holding. Go ahead. Morning, uh, Neil. Yeah, go ahead. Hello. Yeah, go oh, ahead. Sorry, how are you? Yeah. Yeah. We, we spoke briefly yesterday about Shandon Street. So yeah, I ran out. Talk. I ran out of time, but I thought That's you. I right. actually got the impression that you were going to start to cry. Well, I nearly did, Neil, because as I said, uh, I grew up close to Shandon Street. I was born and reared. I cycled up. I sorry, I walked and cycled up and down to the Northman School four times a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And. But you know when we talked I, about what you saw yesterday, it came as an awful shock to you. What, what, it did. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. Like back in the, But back you just, in the if you days. walk from Shandon Street across the south, the Northgate Bridge, down, yeah. down, of course, the North Main Street, that, that needs mm. a lot of work. You go across onto the South Main Street, that needs an awful right. lot of work. You go up Catholic Barrick Street, Street, which isn't too, Barrick Street isn't too bad. There's some extra new thriving business. But again... All of that spine could do with serious looking at. Very serious. And actually, when I came back from where I went to the other day, I went over Brainboro Bridge, right? And I just happened to look at the the main old entrance into City Hall where the turrets and the clocks are. And underneath, it's black. The limestone has gone black, but the dirt. Mm. Have you been out uh, talking about black? Have you visited Blackpool to see it? I have seen Blackpool as well. Now, I know there's supposed to be a lot of uh, regeneration going on there. But, but um, the thing is, like, at the end of the day, somebody, like, we have a city manager who walked one year short to the base issues, right? Mm. Well, it seems that, that way. That it seems that way. That, that woman is paid 
out of the taxpayers' money and out of commercial rates and everything in the city, right? And, like, she won't talk to anybody. She won't give interviews, right? She won't go on your show. And, like, look at the revenue alone that's been lost by all these buildings for literally nearly But again, I said down. it to you yesterday that that's, the, that's actually because people... It's the people who own them are responsible. They're not owned by the city. And it's impossible, no. apparently... It's impossible to take them on because um, you got to go through the courts. You can find them. A lot right. of the time they don't know go, who they go are. Go through the courts. If you don't use, you lose. It's very simple, yeah. right? Yeah. And, like, on top of that, on top of the, the shameful state of our city, we have councillors, we have everybody, we have three ministers in the cock area, right? Or two ministers and the tarnish that. And, like, do they ever go walk around the city? Look, even look, even look at the state of Patrick Street. The whole, the whole, the whole part of the cock is falling down nearly. Mm, right? Mm. What's wrong and, with Patrick Street in your eyes? Well, it's shabby looking. Uh, okay, mm. unfortunately, you had uh, the shop there, where, the clothes shop where the plaster or something is falling off it, right? Yeah. Like, does, like I, I grew up in Cox City Neal, right? And I used to walk everywhere. And that time, people had pride. In the, in the property, right? And that time, you, for love, no money, could you get a shop in Shandon Street, North Main Street, or Castle Street? Or even, uh, they were the booming. All those streets were booming. But then again, were, but yeah. along came Wilton Shopping Centre, Douglas's two know, shopping yes, centres, Mahon yes, Point yes. came along, Blackpool Shopping Centre is rocking. Right. It dragged yeah. all of the business out of the city. It did, but still people were shop local in, this, in those areas, right? If they could park for free, you can't park, like there's no free parking, you can hardly get a parking space anywhere on these streets. Mm. It's impossible. People have been holding out in the city by the council, mm. okay? Mm. Yeah. And like, even look at the state of our streets, our potholes everywhere, right? Look at, look at the carrier with the events centre, how long ago was that? Well, we're uh, hopefully looking at course. yeah. Hopefully, we're looking at quarter three or yeah, quarter three for that. Hopefully, yeah. I don't know. We'll have to right. wait and see. Well, we wait and see. They probably look for more money get off the city council before they continue yeah. with it, yeah. right? Yeah. But like, go back to all these empty buildings, right? These landlords, why, why are they, why are they leaving the place empty? Why don't they paint the places up, right? <laughs> Who are they, mm. right? Are they still alive, mm. right? Look at all the overhead. Look at all the overhead accommodation, Neil, right? That well, what could be overhead accommodation that's vacant? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah, right. And like, I mean, delay Philip, delay Philip Connell used to sing a beautiful song in relation to Cork, beautiful city, my home, by Dilly, right? That is no longer true. The is there anything, tell, just before point. I let you go, is there anything that you still love about Cork City? Well, what I love about Cork City is, and I've, I've spoken to a lot of even if, if, if fond people, Neil, right? Yeah. And they said they love Cork, the people are friendly, and that's what makes, that's what makes Cork is the people. But... It's gone to the stage now. The people, the people have no control over anything anymore, right? right? Yeah, okay. And as I said, I go back to Andorra, right? 
Right? Oh, well, oh, you've made that. No, you've made that point well. You've made that point well. Right. The last I time that I was in touch with, last time I was yeah. in touch with Cork City, I can't even remember now what I wanted to talk about. I suppose all of yeah. the things you're talking about. But the last email yeah. we got back was uh, on the sixth of September last year. Not available uh, this week, however. Happy to appear on the show soon, as discussed. Correct, with Neil I remember, but actually, and then we went, that. Then we went back again in in November, um, and uh, still no luck. But point made. I mean, I would love, I would what, love, what I would love, I would love nothing, I would love nothing better than bring people who are in Cork up to areas that I loved and are close to my heart and I would love to walk Shandon with them, Shandon Street, I would love to Correct. go around the Butter Exchange, the Firk and Crane, I would yeah. love to take them down yeah. into Blackpool. But I think it might be, ha- no disrespect to anybody, but I think I'd be half embarrassed to do it. It would be very embarrassing. Okay. And yeah. what did poorest people think when they see this, the state of the city? Okay. And the thing there, uh, Neil, is... The fountain that was there at the end of the Shandon Street. The Dunscombe. To, yeah, that belonged to the the people of Cork. Where's it gone? It got city robbed. Hall said they can't, it got robbed over City Hall said that they, uh, they can't find it. it. They can't find they it. They couldn't find it. The Shawleys, so, and, the Shawleys and the families up around there used to do their washing and their laundry in that fountain. You probably know they that. Did, yeah. They did. Yeah. I remember all the Shawleys. I, about four or five years ago, I did a real deep look into that and had all sorts of different councillors. I got a few stories as to where it ended up in mm. one or two different back gardens, but I was never able to prove it, yeah. so I have no yeah, idea well, where it that's went. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. Yeah. All right. Somebody, somebody, somebody with connections got it, and they're looking at it today in the back garden. In the back garden. We might, we might, <laughs> send, up a, we might send up a drone and start visiting gardens. Well, it might be the hell. You might be surprised what you see. All right, fine. All right. <laughs> right. Okay. One other thing there needs to be All right, got to go, Jerry. Right? Quickly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very fast. Uh, Carl Street in Cork, down by the Bridewell, right? My grandmother used to live there. Her house, and I have a record from uh, the government department, uh, was declared a road in 1966. It was next to Parker's Yard. And all that site there is derelict since the mid-70s or late-70s. It was taken it was taken over by Cox City Council and it's a total and not a eyesore and a beautiful location for the apartments or townhouses. And it's just sitting right? there. Yeah, okay. What, <laughs> what do you think is going on with, Klondike, with Klondike's toilet down by um, the Bridewell? It's all barricaded up for like decades but, but now. It is, and that whole circle there, right, between the, the key itself and the... Carroll Street, right? Yeah. It's border, it's border up. It's border up top. Must be top years. Yeah, there was there, a right? very old um, uh, lumber lumber yard there, wasn't there? There was, yeah, Parker's Yard. That, that was part of the, yeah, that was that. Uh, oh my, who, this is a, this uh, is a limestone, men, me, limestone, male, female yeah, yeah. Toilet, toilet bathroom, and That's it's right. just sure. like what the hell. But sure doesn't have the toilet anywhere. Top have they forgotten that it's there? Go. Like. Do you know what I mean? Like, what have they done in City Hall? That's the question. I have a great weekend. Enjoy yourself and do stay in touch, all right? I have a lot okay. to plow through. One final thing. Ah, Jerry, break my heart. No, no, hang on. I won't, no, this is funny. It was far as I'm concerned. about the Gardaí going to Paris to Disneyland, right? There should be an exchange system put in place. If the guards go over there, well, in the winter time. Mickey Mouse and all his colleagues shall come over and sit in the dial and run it. <laughs> okay, nice one. 
Take care, Jerry. Have a great bank holiday weekend. Text 0868 104 106. Pick up the phone on 0818 um, Can I just open the phone lines now? Because otherwise I get totally bu- I get totally backed up. So let's give away the 1975 at Musgrave Park. Thanks, Kevin. So we'll take caller 9. Text it's only by phone. By caller 9. 0818 104 106. The 1975 play Musgrave Park on June 13th. It's a Tuesday. Hope that the weather is going to be as good. There's a chance that it might. Get on the phone now if you're a fan. 0818 Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. It's indeed well done to Katrina Hearn and Farron Ree off to the 1975 in a couple of weeks' time. But before quitting time today, I have, I think I got four, something between four and six sets of tickets. Actually, I think I got six of them. So three pairs of tickets for Bingo Loco for Sunday night, live at the Marquee. And we're going to play a bingo game, right? You're going to put two contestants up against each other and you need then to uh, be able to answer the bingo calls, right? A typical example of that would be key at the door, you know? All right, so you know what that is. So I'll give you other ones like that, but you need to know your bingo for that. Before I lighten things up, I will come back to a lot of other this business again on Monday morning, but I just want to mention once again, one of the things that, that I've loved over the years, over the decades about doing a program like this is you're never 100% sure where it's going to go topic-wise. You're going to have different conversations planned and you move off in a different tangent entirely. So it's, as they say now these days, it's kind of organic. It does itself. Uh, but sometimes you don't necessarily know where it's going to take you. But, but in the future, things will change very much because there will be legislation legislation passing um, and a lot of it is good you know a lot of it will be good legislation we need to update a lot of our hate laws and hate crimes particularly around, in and around areas of sharing intimate photographs with ex-partners and things like that so that's got to be included but there will be speech implica- implications as well going down the track I was just reminded of that um, by a text that I received there from somebody who, who clearly doesn't realise that I actually push back as often as I can frustrating and all as it will be much of the time against other people's opinions particularly if it's it's a minority group, or particularly if it's somebody vulnerable that's coming in here from overseas. But sometimes people don't wish to see that. So they will send a text like this. Oh, I am glad we are doing some proper journalism again. Uh, it's usually something, something, something I read on Auntie Mary's Facebook page, or I heard it from my sister's hairdressers, that they're all scamming the system. Um, you are hate mongers who are creating division. If someday soon something happens to one of these vulnerable people fleeing war, I'm personally going to hold you responsible for this act. You have a duty that comes with the platform that you have, which is an acceptable text in itself if it wasn't really so preloaded with with the prejudice against what I do. But having said all of that, my duty also is to people who actually have an opinion or a story to, to share. If it doesn't meet other people's narratives, of course, you will get text like that. I understand it, but I will read them out as well. But I think in the future, what will probably happen is that people will be slower to give their point of view, slower to give their opinion, slower to be passionate about things that are important to them in their lives because of this legislation that will come that will make it a crime for people to say some of the things that they've said. I mean, I mentioned that point about the chap who was on the air selling the kayak for 700 euro to a fellow living down in a uh, a sea view in, in Skibbereen, that probably will create somebody making a complaint, which then will be investigated that will either be deemed a hate crime or call or hate crime call or not, that could lead to a fine or ultimately imprisonment. So I, I really don't know what the future brings. But I think it's it's unfortunate that people won't be allowed to have an opinion uh, or won't be allowed to say how they feel. Because you can have opinions and say how you feel without it being racist or, in, or engaging in incitement or anything like that. It can be just your view of the world or your view of the country or how things are going for you and how you see things. 
Um, I mean, you know, the Red Sea poll recently said that the vast majority of people who were surveyed felt enough was enough. But yet if you were to say that in the future, that could well be deemed... You know what I'm saying. I'm repeating myself. Enough said. I'll come back to it on Monday. I promise you that. But I need to lighten it up because it's Friday and we're heading into the bank holiday weekend. And I asked actually for calls from people who really have some beautiful uh, summer stories to share because we have this uni uh, 12 gas powered pizza oven that was given to me by Hanley's. It's gas fueled. Uh, it gets up to why? Why will it cook a pizza in sixty seconds? Well, because it, it gets up to five hundred degrees Celsius in a quarter of an hour, and in goes the stone baked fresh twelve inch pizza cooked in sixty seconds. It's an outdoor. Uh, pizza oven given to me by Hanley's from earlier on in the week. So, with that in mind, uh, let's get to a few calls on this and see how we go with it. Robert, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I love you because you always tell a great old yarn. So, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I'll bring you back in there, back in the day when we had a camper van. Sadly, we don't have it anymore, but you know, we used to go all around the country and um, stay away in different places. So, uh, I'd love one of them. Into- I'm going to get one of them as soon as I've <laughs> saved up enough money to get there. About 80 grand, I think, to get a decent one. Are they? Well, I don't know. You get a cheap one too. But anyway, we were, we were up in, there in, in County Clare, Neil, in a lovely village called Corofin. Um, which is a grand place now, Neil. And right in the middle of the village, would you believe, there's a campsite. Right. And you go, you, you rock into Corofin. There's five or six pubs there and the restaurants. There's a grand place now. Lovely little village in the middle of nowhere. So I went into the campsite and I packed up, got the camper ready and brought the awning and the chairs. And so um, we were grand, all was going fine. And the next thing, this camper pulled in alongside us, German Ridge, Dutch Ridge, like so. There was no problem. He pulled up there and we said, Lord, he said, Morgan or whatever. And there was no problem. And then Neil, we went off in there for, for the evening. Oh, socializing as you do. Came back to the camper as well. So they were nine o'clock early, no Neil, you know. You wouldn't be out late, you so, as we were in Clare now, we said we've had a bit of Irish music. And my young friend, who was playing the Boron at the time, so we found the Irish music again inside the camper, and the young friend was playing the Boron. And, geez, well, we were getting into great spirits, Neil. It was great crack. But just, thing, just the Boron, like. Oh, yeah, yeah, but there was music playing in the back. Oh, he was like. accompanying the music yeah, with the Boron. Yeah, All yeah. right, okay. Next thing, the, the, the door, the camper van opened next door to us. Would you mind turning the music down? <laughs> we are trying to sleep. So this is at nine o'clock at night, Lee. <laughs> so I says, uh, Jesus Christ, I says, oh, what's wrong with him? So I, I said, no, what's wrong, sir, what's wrong? We are making the ferry in the morning and we have to go to sleep. You sound like Dieter from Killing the Scully. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Christ, I said to Louise, and I said, jeez, we'll have to, we'll have to quieten down this marble. <laughs> so we turned the music down this marble, and but we kept on going for another hour and then and after, after bed and that. So I said, Jesus, I'll have to get this fella back now. I'm not going to get him back now. So, four o'clock in the morning, he I woke up. I said, right, I'm going to, I'm going to go out and go wash the camper in. So then I said, I'm going to go four o'clock and I said, I'll open up the side doors and making the noise and got out the hose and connected up the water and started washing the camper at half past four. <laughs> Next thing I looked over and the blind was after opening up and I see a man looking out at me. <laughs> I said, good morning, sir. It's a great morning for getting the ferry. Next thing I know, there was nothing. He closed the blind and I, I, I washed away and I into the camper. But after seven, the door opened next door and out he came. And I was sitting out after having a cup of coffee and he said to me, I, I think I think I was wrong last night. Uh, I, I apologise for, for maybe making some comments. 
I said, there's no problem whatsoever. Sir, I was only trying to wake you up this morning in case you missed your ferry. And <laughs> Jesus, the O'Neill, he saw the funny side of it. And he, he came over, he had a cup of coffee and all that, and we were all talking. But actually, where he was going to was the ferry in Doolan. He was going to the Allen Island. <laughs> I shall keep about six hours to get that. Well, I, I hope he didn't crash on the windy roads to Doolan because he couldn't Not get any sleep because of you. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, Neil, he actually we, we, he followed me over to the ferry because I, you know, we kind of became friends then, like you know, as you would like when you're on holidays. And I said, look, you can follow me, sir. There's no problem. I'll show you exactly where to go. And he ended he up great buddies then. Huh? Oh, you're great buddies, then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I was telling Kevin, there, I don't know, was his hands quits or something, his name was, I don't know what his name was. But in a, after you went over to the Islands in India and, you know, something. So I bet you there's someone out there will find it insulting, you taking on a German accent. You know the way it is? No, but they were quite bad. We live in a crazy world, I can tell you that. <laughs> Why'd you well, get rid of the camper van? Why'd you get rid of it? You know, Neil, I tell you, know, my young fella, he's only, he's only, he's grew up like he's, you know, sure she, he got old, he grew old, coming away with him and daddy, like his boss, and, you know, he wanted his own space. There's fierce and, freedom in those camper vans, though. Unbelievable, Neil. I'm like, if, if you ever get her, Neil, I'll, I'll give you a list yes, to go to, like, I love it, one. unbelievable. But I'd be afraid to buy one cheap, because it might be damp or mouldy with a crapped out engine in it, you know what I mean? And a chassis that was dealer, wrong. Neil. Buy it off a dealer, and you won't go, you won't go wrong. Yeah, stay away from I the old done deal jobs, is it? 100% yeah buy it half a dealer and you can, you'll come back and because you will have to go back you'll be away there some weekend Neil and you say oh, I can't work the gas in the camper and next thing you'll ring up James the dealer James how to turn on the gas and he'll tell you <laughs> I do that I do that at home with the washing machine <laughs> <laughs> well well then I, I, know, I highly recommend the camper van but I, I, I could tell you loads of stories Neil but well, some wouldn't, wouldn't be suitable for the radio alright ok well they're the, they're the kind of ones I like but that's for another day have a great bank holiday Robert stay listening brilliant Neil cheers Thanks to you all pal bye-bye. mad for bye-bye. you mad bye-bye. for you Linda standing by Helen good morning Good morning, Neil. How Thanks are you? for holding. Or your summer stories from the 1980s, a great old decade. Go ahead. Well, at the time, it was at the end of the 80s and the recession. Oh, uh, were you let go? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, it was my first job. I was in the, in the job for several years, and I was devastated. And the only good thing was the sunshine, Neil. And you know, one morning I decided I'll go up there now to sun now with my book. I'll have a read, and I was living at home with my at home like family, and my mother was meant to keep an eye on me. She didn't I fall asleep in the sunshine? <laughs> and um, the next thing were you were you I, in, were you in swimming gear? Like were you in your your bathing? Um, no, not in my bathing. Thank God, because yeah, I got burnt, burnt all over. Um, Anyway, but you fell asleep in the back garden. Go ahead. I fell asleep and I woke up to my my mother and um, one of my best friends trying to wake me up and say, uh, wake up, you have an interview there in, you know, 10 minutes. <laughs> and I was looking at him like, and my friend was like, I was at an interview and I mentioned you and I need more staff. And I said, uh, what, you said 10 minutes? I was so, I can imagine the panic. <laughs> running around between the three of us now, like, and um, put on something respectable anyway. And it was just before I went out the door, I saw my reflection in the, the mirror, the red face, the red arms. 
And I was like... They wouldn't hire, hire you because they think you had high blood pressure or something. I was like, I can't. I can't go. And it was nearby. So she said, come on, should we know mobile phones? She couldn't ring me up in, in advance and tell me, you know, get ready. So um, it was like, oh, they persuade me anyway to go out the door to the, to the interview because... I badly wanted to get back to work and, totally. you know, get a Did bit of money. Yeah, in. and those offers didn't come all that often. No, yeah. there was very little jobs, right? Yeah. So I went to the interview anyway, and I don't know how he didn't laugh at my, <laughs> my face anyway. But <laughs> the interview went very well, and I was laughing yesterday because you were on about the smoking breaks and everything. Yeah. One of the questions that came up was, are you a smoker? And I says, I never smoked my life. I probably never will, and I haven't. And uh, he, as soon as he heard that, he says, when can you start? <laughs> Why did that he make was, a difference? <laughs> because he was trying to give up the cigarettes himself. <laughs> what was the and, job, uh, do you mind me asking? Um, it was in the sewing industry, and we would be been in a building where he would be you know, Surround, it's, it's yeah, because you could smoke and you would be smoking in the workplace. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. go even if they went out for a smoke, like a smoking <laughs> break, they come in. The smell, I, as a non-smoker, I was like, I could smell the smoke off their clothes <laughs> and stuff. But uh, he, he just was like, right, anyone. So if anyone um, said they were non-smoker, like he, um, so I got the job. Started the next day. I would I, 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 I would have thought that there was nothing that makeup couldn't have covered, including a red face, no? Well, I didn't have time, Neil. <laughs> I had to be up there at such a time, and I, and I was rushed out the door. Well done. And well done. I, I, I was able to cover up the face a bit for the next day. It's, so. it's, it's, it's a summer memory. It's kind of a different kind of a summer memory, but it's a well, summer you've never forgot. I've never forgot because, you know, I was a great job. And made great friends there as well. So, yeah, um, it's one I never forget. Thanks for sharing, Helen. Stay listening. Let me talk to Linda. I'm clipping along at a pace here. I have one more bunch of shout-outs to do as well, lads. Linda, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Okay, so we're looking at summer memories. You go for it. Tell us your story. Right. So it was actually this weekend, about 20 years ago, and I went down to Kenmare. Um, so I'm one of five girls, and my dad decided to take two of us away for the weekend camping. So myself and my sister anyway, we begged him and begged him to go horse riding, kept on saying no, 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 kept on saying no, no, no. <laughs> so he allowed us anyway, we went horse riding off, we went and trotting away on the horse. The next thing I fell off the horse <laughs> and I was hanging on from underneath <laughs> and then I fell off the horse and I landed in horse shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds, so sounds, sounds, the way you're telling it, it's sounding as if you enjoyed it. I, I didn't enjoy it anyway, but I, I sure like started laughing then, but sure my dad was having a heart attack. I was only one pair of runners going camping. <laughs> um, he had the task then to try and bring me to find a pair of runners. I remember ringing my mom. I never again bring them away. I'm never again bringing them away. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, what I, is I it with dads that they can't cope oh, in emergencies? No, they can't cope. And he's one where all girls in the house. So I say I never. He never did bring me back away anyway. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I remember going into like a tent. I don't know, like it's kind. Of, I I don't even know what it was. And I thinking back now, I like Jesus. But buying getting shoes from a table, I don't know whether he bought them now or he just <laughs> took them or what. But I remember that then. How old were you? 
I'd say I was, well, I'm 33, 13, I was about 13. Yeah. And my sister was with me then, sure, and she was skitting. So she ended up back and piddling in her pants. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just always stuck with me then. It was just something that never, ever left. <laughs> but, but if you fell into the horse poo. The horse shit, yes. And then what I about the rest of your we're camping. What about the rest of your clothes? I just remember my feet, you know, so when I hung on, I got up and it was hard shit and it was just like... You didn't need shoes, you needed a shower. I need, for sure we were camping. (laughs) (laughs) He never did. Oh my God. You're nuts. You're nuts. I don't know what's in the air out in Toker, but you're as bad. Can't cope. I, I can't cope. I gather that. I gather that. <laughs> oh yeah. So that was my story anyway. It always stuck with me. <laughs> Stay listening. We'll see how we get on and try and squeeze another one or two in between now and midday today. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. Keep your summer holiday memories coming. Text 0868 I'm going to give the, the pizza oven away because otherwise I won't be back until Tuesday and if I give it away today you can probably even pick it up this afternoon if you're close enough to Hanley's and enjoy it for the weekend So we, but we have six tickets two, three pairs for Bingo Loco on Sunday so I want to open the phone lines for that now just to prepare for it and take some callers on air here's how it's going to work right we've got three sets of tickets to give away so for each pair of tickets I'm going to take two callers on the air right two different callers at the same time and we're going to give you a bingo call out you might remember there I mentioned earlier on as a typical example of them. Key of the door. Now that's clearly 21. So I'll call out the bingo call out and you need to tell me the number that it equates to. Right over does it and gets it right, wins um, a pair of tickets for Bingo Loco. Now only call if you can go on Sunday uh, and all of these tickets will be left at the uh, box office kiosk kiosk, uh, at the marquee later on today. I've been giving other tickets away online uh, and on Instagram, and there, you know, people are picking them up at the uh, at the kiosk. Our lines are open for that now. 0818-104-106 As I do the final sh- bunch of shoutouts for Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. If you'd like a treat for the weekend and some really beautiful food and very healthy food into the bargain as well, check out Roosters Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. I'd like to nominate the coaches and teachers at Castle Martin National School. They've been amazing training the kids for the last few weeks for Skeena Scholar. Well done. Sadly, they lost to the neighbours, Don Gourney, on Tuesday. To Crime Guard Security Systems who are listening. Morning, Fiona. ECI, JCB and Carrick Tool. Have a great weekend. You too. Sky Flagship Store in Maham Point. AP Vaughan Recycling in Tower. Biogold Agri in Killavullen. Striker at uh, Carrick Tool. Topman Barbers in Balancolic are listening. Honey Brown's Hair in Balancolic also. The Admin Office at Easy Living Interiors would love feeding. Um, just got the new outdoor seating and it would be unreal for the gang to eat outdoors. Adrian Ryan and everybody at Sports Gear Direct would love feeding ahead of the long weekend. We had everybody at Donovan's and Carrigaline, the switchboard department at the CUH, Classic Windows in Columni, and everybody at the Riverstown Inn, including Harry. We'd love food. My last cheat meal before myself and my husband Graham Brady run the marathon on Sunday. Good luck to you and everybody else running the marathon on Sunday. So we'll pick a winner and then Free Food Friday will be delivered by Red Patrol 
euros at lunchtime today to whoever wins uh, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters Piri Piri Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park right let's see if we can get uh, some callers on the air for our Bingo Loco tickets where are they here they are so Bingo Loco happens on Sunday night live at the marquee um, doors at half past six you're going to have a bev or two and then the show starts at half past seven and it's supposed to be a great laugh so are we ready to go yeah line one we should have Niamh in Ballyvalan Niamh good morning Good morning. How All right. You? Are you a bingo fan? I am. Okay, good for you. Can you go Sunday night if you win? Yeah, yeah. I can. Oh, fair, fair, fair play to you. Louise Manning's in Gronobar. Louise. Hi. All right, do you know your bingo? Yeah. All right, let's find out. Okay, I'm going to give a bingo shout-out call here, right? And you need to give me the equivalent number for it. Whoever does it first and fastest wins the pair of tickets. Are you both ready, Niamh and Louise? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the number that I have chosen first for this morning is clean the floor. 24. And Niamh, what did you say? 34. And Louise, what did you say? 24. Neither of you are right, unfortunately. My sincerest <laughs> apologies. <laughs> it's actually 54. Clean the floor is 54. <laughs> so unless you can get back on the air again in a few minutes' time, you ain't going to bingo loco. Let's see about Audrey. Audrey, good morning. Hello. I play to you. Hold on. You know your bingo? I hope so. I hope so too. Did you know that last one? No. Oh my God, I better make them easier. Donna Murray's in Badenhasic. Donna... Hi, how are you? How about you? Did you know that last one? No. <laughs> oh my God! And you tell me you know your bingo. Have a listen. We're going to give you a new. We're going to give you a new bingo. Um, a new bingo call out. Here it comes. Right, hang in there. Okay. So the number I have chosen for you both. Shout out your name first, right? And then what it equates to from the point of view of the call out. The num. Th- this is the one for you. Give me the number for Dancing Queen. Donna. Donna, go for it. 17. 17 is right. Well done. Fair play to you. Congratulations. Two tickets for you for Bingo Loco. Thanks all the same, Audrey. Apologies for that. Well, well done. I need you to stay on the line, though, okay? Hold on there. Don't go okay. anywhere because I want to get your details and then get the tickets sorted for you. So good luck to you. Right, another pair to give away. Um, you keep dialing, actually, but keep those calls coming. 0818 Well done to uh, Donna. So we'll come back after the break. Another couple of tickets after these. <laughs> Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Okay, we've got Evelyn White and Carrigan Lyons standing by. Evelyn, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How Something are you? nice to do for the bank holiday if you're around. Yeah, Get down to Bingo Loco. <laughs> Scott is in Douglas. Scott. Oh, yeah. Okay, both of you know your bingo call-outs, do you? It's more of it, not really. <laughs> what about you, Evelyn? A little bit. All right. One a small bit, one a little bit. Let's find out. Rock and roll, man. All right. We'll give you another number, or at least uh, the equivalent to it, the bingo call it. So shout out your name, right? And then have a go at it. Here it is for Evelyn and for Scott. Man alive. Scott. Go for it. Evelyn. 25. No, not 25. Evelyn. 85. 85? No! No, sugar. It's five! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we were halfway there. Yeah, go away on that. Go away on that. I'll be here all morning. I'll be here till the quarter past half past 12 at this stage. Right. Number five, that one was, Man Alive. Let me see if I can do the business with Lil O'Leary and Cove. Lil? 
Turn your radio down. Turn your, yeah, just turn your radio down, girl. I'll come back to you in one turn second then. Okay. And Mary McKiernan is also, both of them are in Cove. Mary, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Okay, please tell me you're a bingo expert. I am. <laughs> okay, you had won then. You have won already, I'd say. <laughs> Lil, are you ready? Yes, I am, Neil. Okay, turn your radios down, guys. Very important. Right, here we go. Bingo call-outs for tickets for Bingo Loco. So shout out your name, right? And then you can give me the equivalent number. Fairly straightforward to a bingo expert, I would say. So shout out your name for clickety-click. Mary. Lil. Mary's in first. Go on. 66. Well done. Well done. Congratulations. Thank you. Sorry about that, Lil. Sorry about that, girl. Take care of yourself. So Mary, you're good to go Sunday night then. Yeah. All right. No Listen, thank you so much for playing and thank you for so no much problem. for listening. Enjoy the gig and good luck to you, all right? Thank you very okay, much. Okay, well Thanks done. Now, that. I just have one more pair to do. Now, can I just also say that all of these tickets, like everything else I've been given away, I've given away tickets on my own Instagram page as well. They all get dropped off to the ticket kiosk down at Live at the Marquee. It opens every day at half past three. So from about five or six today, the tickets will be there uh, for the gigs and what have you. I have other people going down getting tickets for the frames and stuff like that. So I'll do all of those a little later. On, but I have one set to do between now and midday today for Bingo Locus. Sarah is in Balafian. Sarah, good morning. How are you? I'm great, girl. Looking forward to the weekend. Oh, yeah, I'm on stage. I know we'd be laughing. All right, well, let's see how you get on now. Anne? Yeah. Hi, Neil. Are you a bingo expert? I hope I am. I hope you are too. So let's see how we get on with this. All right, are you ready? Ready. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Shout out your name. That's the important thing. I love this one, actually. I'm just throwing this in for sheer divilment heading into the bank holiday weekend. I want the number for Heinz Variety. Um, Anne. Sarah. Did you shout, Anne? No, you Sarah. didn't. Sarah, go. Hi, Hang on a second. I'm hearing both of you. Which one of you shouted first? Oh. You can... All right, scrap, scrap that because you both shouted at the same time. I'll give, right. you, I'll give you a different... What were you going to say I'm anyway? Uh, 57. Yeah, but I heard both of you at the same time. So let me do one more here, right? You ready? Yeah. Okay. okay. Here we go. This one instead. Baker's bun. Sarah. Sarah, 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 Sarah. Is it, is it 14? No, it doesn't even rhyme. It doesn't even rhyme. What did you say, Anne? 13. No, it's got a rhyme. Ah. <laughs> Oh my God! I I, listen, I don't have time to take another. I, I give him time to take. It, it, Baker's bun is sixty-one. Oh, another one. Yeah, I'm going to stay with you guys until one of you actually end up winning it. All right, so here we go again. Right, shout out your name for Kelly's eye. Sarah. Anne was first. Number one. Yes, thanks be to God. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was going to be here after the morning. <laughs> well done, Anne. Sorry, Sarah. Oh, no matter. Right, take care of yourselves. Anne, stay on the line Bye. there. We'll organise your tickets. No You're problem. out in Toker. You can pick them up later on today. All right, cheers. Okay. Wouldn't want to be doing that every day. I can tell you, you get a heart attack from it. Anyway, last I'll have more tickets to give away next week, lads. Don't worry about it. Last bit of business is our free Food Friday winners for this week. And it happens to be the gang at ML Scaffolding Services. I know nothing about them. Let's find out. Liam, good morning. Hi, Neil. Hi, yeah. Obviously, you sell or you erect or you make scaffolding. But how many of them yeah, are yeah. you? Sorry? How many of them are you in the business? 
There's about 30 of us here on site, by. Oh, you, you're on site with Marnan and O'Shea, are you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God, they built my house. They're a hungry bunch, I can tell you. They're a hungry bunch out here, Alex. <laughs> All right. So if there's 30 of you, I don't know if there's going to be enough to go around, but enjoy it. But I need a big Thanks shout. So Have you managed to get a gang around you there? We have a gang of us here, oh, yeah. All right, let's hear it. Yeah. Well done. That's the whole site. <laughs> I love it. Listen, are you coping all right in the heat? Brilliant. All right, right, man. Well, listen. Roosters, Piri Piri on the way. Happy bank holiday weekend to you, Liam. Good luck to you all. Well done. Thanks very much, Neil. Cheers, pal. Build those blocks in a straight line, for God's sake. Have a great bank holiday weekend, guys. Really and truly enjoy the weather and stay safe. And I'll see you on Tuesday. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.